is time for Talking Bollocks. With me, your host, yes, that's right, Ego in a, in a, hu- in a husk, in a, in a body, just basically an ego, it's me, Howard H. Smith. Um, welcome to Talking Bollocks, yeah! Hooray, Talking Bollocks is upon us. It is now time for me to talk the bollocks of July 2019. Thank you very much, um, this is the intro, my name is Howard Smith, I am, oh sorry, Howard H. Smith, I am lead singer in UK thrash band Acid Rain, new album coming out on 27th, 27th of September, called The Age of Entitlement, more on that later. Um, I'm also a stand-up comedian, uh, you can get me at, uh, I perform a character, so it's uh, keithplatt.co.uk, does anybody go to websites anymore? And also Acid Acid Rain is everywhere on social media, as you'd expect. Also at acidrain.co.uk. Nobody's going to go to that website very soon because I'm taking it down because nobody goes to websites anymore. And that's about it, folks. I do a lot. I get around. But mainly, once a month, I do this podcast for you. And I also do it especially for patrons. So if you want to support the podcast, and when I say support, I mean get a fucking shitload of awesome content that's just for you. For instance, the... Uh, the Patreon podcast this month is coming up to about an hour and a half. Um, and I think the interview with Andy Sneap on the pa- Patreon is only a few minutes shorter than the, on the main podcast, where everybody has got to ask him questions, you know, and do their own. Their, if it sounds like it's something you'd like to get involved with and get all the bite behind the scenes, acid rain shenanigans as well, then go to patreon.com forward slash Howard H. Smith and uh, bung me five, $5 a month. Not even real money. <laughs> $5 a month. Plus tax, it works out about £4.50 all in, and you get a load of stuff that no one else gets. I think that sounds like a pretty cool deal. The people doing it seem to think it's a pretty cool deal, so there you go. Anyway, um, this is the way we start every podcast. What has been going on in the world of metal this month? Well, I'll tell you, quite a lot. Quite a lot indeed. Um... Uh, and just to start out, actually, by a moan about DPD. No, um, not um, Five Finger Death Punch. Um, just DPD, the fucking courier company. Jesus Christ. I've totally rejigged my day uh, a couple of days ago around getting delivery of test pressing for the new Acid Rain album today. And, um, and they sent me a message saying, oh, we'll deliver it tomorrow, just like you asked. Whilst I was sat here waiting for it to arrive in my one hour window, I then went on went online and it went, oh, we weren't able to deliver it. So uh, we'll try and deliver it tomorrow. Oh, what do you mean? Don't know how to deliver I was right fucking here. Were you fucking joking? So um, so anyway, the label have gone to war with them. I've, I've actually got to go and pick it up off them. But who gives a fuck at the end of the day, as long as I get a copy of it. That's uh, all that matters. Get it listened to. Get it approved. A.S.A. Fucking um, so, uh, but let's get on to other bands. Uh, I'll come back to Acid Rain in a bit, as I always do. But, um, okay, straight up, first up, it's got to be Man of War, hasn't it? A eh? Man of War, born to be shit forevermore. Um, yeah, just they've they've decided after the hell de- after the um, hell death after the uh, Hellfest debacle, they've decided to. Um, well, they've obviously decided to go all out and try and um, see if they can rustle up a um, a court case against Hellfest and tidy up their image somewhat after the uh, catastrophe. 
Sorry, got uh, got a message there about something. Had to reply. Slight glitch there. Never mind. This is what I do if this is the first time you listen to it. Yeah, I'm fucking editing it. <laughs> I do, I do. Because sometimes I say stuff I have to take out, which I had to do on one of the interviews that um, uh, that I did on this very podcast. But anyway, going back to fucking Scammer War and their pathetic, pathetic attempt to try and improve their PR. Um, it, it's... It, the thing is, it just it just completely rings um, untrue when you read what they're saying. Also, um, it's written like a really like like a really annoyed five year old did it or something. Um, I, it's just unbelievable. It really is. Um, and I, I yeah, I, I I don't know who advises. Um, I don't know who advises them, but. Anyway, here we go. This is what Man of War was saying. We signed a contract in blood in 1983, and the reason I signed that contract is I wanted the world to know Man of War was the one band that will never fuck our fans and never play shit music or make the fans eat shit with bad sound, bad lights, and without our equipment, he said. There's so much to have a go out there. I'm going to move on. That's the fucking reality. Does this sound like someone who has a grip in reality? No, frankly, mate. I didn't see any of these fucking promoters sign a contract in blood. They didn't. They weren't there. Only you were that stupid. But they're happy to talk shit about people. Actually, about you. We're not going to give our fans less than 100%. You gave them 0%. Fact. Actually, I think you'll find fact is you gave them 0%. And let's just go back. I hate the phrase. Let's unpack a few things there. First off, your contract in blood is pathetic. Shove it up your arse, you child. Right? Next up. Um, one of the, uh, We'll never fuck our fans. Well, I'm sure that has happened, actually. Quite literally. And, but the best one is, never play shit music. I mean, it all fell apart right there, mate. Your contract in blood is worthless. Hey, you've been doing nothing but play shit music ever since. Uh, but the great thing is, um, does this sound like someone who has a grip on reality? What? The man talking about signing a contract in blood in 1983? Frankly, no, mate. You're asking, no. It does not sound like somebody who has a grip on reality, now you mention it. In fact, that was screaming someone who doesn't have a a grip on reality right from the first fucking words that you spoke. And also, um, I've got to thank, and I'm not sure which, um, on which outlet of social media that it was, but um, I think it might have been Twitter or it might have been um, Facebook. I don't think it's Facebook because I can't see, I, I can't find the thing I'm looking for. But it was a guy, I'm sorry, dude, I can't remember your name. But it was, I, I tweeted that out and somebody just tweeted back and went, what an absolute load of bollocks. Um, I was there in the 90s when they came to um, Newcastle Riverside, took one, lock, one, uh, took one look around it, didn't like the look of it, got back, got back in their bus uh, and tried to fuck off. But plenty of us fans were, were there giving them fucking dogs abuse for it. So, you know, there, there's history here with these fucking prima donnas. And I mean, that's just a section that I've taken out of his so-called band statement. I mean, it was just fucking absolutely ridiculous it literally like a five-year-old had written it um and i I, yeah it was it it, and yeah there's just there's so much wrong with it that it's hard i didn't i didn't really want to bore you guys with the whole story and like the whole thing so i just took that bit out but fucking hell give it a rest man you fucked up you totally completely fucked up 
just own it. Say, yeah, you know, we were dicks. But no, that's never going to be Man of War. True story, right? True story. Um, somebody who works for a label. Did I did I do this on the podcast last month? I think I've I think I've I might have done. But anyway. Yeah, I did, didn't I? Yes, because other people have referred to it. Sorry, yeah, about to do the old, you know, they wanted to be picked up in a horse-drawn carriage um, at um, at Heathrow Airport, and they were serious. What a bunch of absolute cockwombles. Let's move on. To, an- to another bunch of idiots. Yes, I said it. Idiots. And who, who are these idiots? Baby Metal. That's who. Baby Metal said in a statement... We're excited to announce Baby Metal's third album, Metal Galaxy. The album's main theme is that Baby Metal are on an odyssey to the Metal Galaxy and a different variety of songs are packed within the album. We are on an odyssey to the Metal Galaxy. Welcome to the world of Baby Metal. Now, frankly, that doesn't sound like it was written by somebody with a grip on fucking reality either. I mean... If Ross the Boss's fucking, or Joey DeMeo's thing, what, I, I can't actually remember which one of those dicks did that. Um, if they sounded like somebody who doesn't have a grip on reality, then what does this sound like? The album's main theme is that baby metal are on an odyssey to the metal galaxy, and a different variety of songs are packed within the album. We are on an odyssey to the metal galaxy. Welcome to the world of baby metal. That fucking shit is what it is! That's as shit as their fucking music! Oh, God, they wind me up. They really fucking do. And I'm sick of the baby metal apologists as well. Oh, but they're actually a pretty good band. If they are actually a pretty good band, it's an accident. And the reason for that, or rather the thanks for that, should go to the musicians in there who have all sold out to become part of this Japanese corporate machine that was invented to separate young girls from their pocket money. That's all it is. Put together, I know I've done it before and I've said it before, but I've got to reiterate, they were put together by a corporation to try and get kids to get kids to buy their album and get they basically they wanted the cool fucking kids who are already into metal right already into them so they just wanted to get a piece of that money they wanted to get a piece of that revenue the metal kids that's why baby metal exists simple as that so for me it is without any artistic merit i have an absolute Fucking, no, not interested in anything to do with baby metal whatsoever. Instead, what I do like to do is um, is give them free publicity on my podcast. So basically, why don't I just shut the fuck up? Next up is a chap that I would not have expected to have. Uh, well, I certainly wouldn't be expected to be uh, raving about something he said, but it has, has to be said. This, this actual quote, which I love, Tim Ripper Owens. It might be better to watch a hologram of Kiss right now than watch the actual band. <laughs> so fair enough, he stood up for the, the hologram a number of times before and, you know, what, everyone's entitled to their opinion. But I thought that was fucking awesome and an absolutely savage, savage criticism of, um, of Kiss. And that's really all that needs to be said. Let's move on. Um... Seb back is still trying to get... Yeah, it's still a no, Seb. They're still not interested. I am still winning my bet with Godless. It's not going to happen. You're not getting back together. Simple as that. Now, this is just... I, I, I don't know where this sits in the realm of pathetic, but it's pathetic. Right? Um, Geezer Butler and Tony Iommi 
uh, picked up a Sabbath Lifetime Achievement Award um, uh, from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame uh, or something like that. And, oh, it's the Hard Rock Cafe or something like that, right? Ozzy was not allowed to join them. Yeah, this is the this is the fucking headline. Ozzy, not allowed to join Sabbath Lifetime Achievement Award by Sharon, okay? Who objected to the fact that it wasn't being done on the broadcast. It was being done, um, it, you know, in a part of the show that wasn't televised. And she thought that was disrespectful, so she stopped Ozzy going. I mean, does that sound like... Does that sound like the behaviour of a manager, a wife, or a mother? Or a huge fucking pain in the ass. I mean, yeah, you might find it disrespectful and all the rest of it, Sharon, but surely it's still a lifetime, a lifetime achievement award. And if I'm Aussie, I'm going to get the fucking award. I'd, I'd, I'd like my lifetime achievement award, thanks. Preferably not in the post. What? I mean, what the fuck? That just strikes me as just... Uh, yeah, just fucking insane, basically. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I've, I haven't really got any uh, any love for, for, for Sharon Osbourne and for all of you who think that she's a wonderful fucking feminist hero. Yeah, what, with her fucking shit ton of plastic surgery to try and keep her looks? That's not very feminist, is it? Or basically getting handed a career by her dad um, and, uh, and, th- and then at the time of his death, still not speaking to him. Not very impressive. Not very impressive behaviour at all. But I've had a go before. I'm sure I'll have a go again in the future. But whatever. I am effectively uh, a fucking mouse throwing toothpicks at a rhinoceros. The rhinoceros that is um, Sharon Osbourne. I wonder if I can say enough offensive things right now to actually uh, get sued. Um, To be fair, I could do with the publicity. Actually, with the album coming out as well. Fucking hell, that would be awesome. Sharon, sue me! By everybody retweet links and things and say and, and just you know tell her I'm being horrendous. <laughs> thank you if you get around to it. Obviously, if you don't, no thank you. Um, so um, what did I see recently? Oh yeah, news. Goss Ghost have released a provocative new video. Well, because visually they are provocative. It's just musically, musically the fucking derivative beyond fucking belief completely media core doing nothing new and just basically lame ass copy copy of 70s rock bullshit i mean it's just nothing it's just it's of no it's of no artistic merit really at all for me it really isn't you know the whole point is you get a band and your influences you become the sum of your influences that's what you want to sound like you want to sound like the sum of your influences yeah note metallica don't sound like Damon, diamond head they sound like a sum of their influences and that's and that's why i wasn't keen on hardwired because i felt like there was times where you could just clearly hear their influences which is not them at all when you get into a band you you don't want to clearly hear the main band or the main bunch of bands who've influenced them funnily enough I was asked recently about like new wave of thrash bands, and and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Body, Bobby, body, <laughs> body blitz from. Oh, let's not get into the getting people's names wrong shit again. I am not fucking doing that as much as you might want me to, right? Um, uh, when I was talking to Bobby, and he was saying, "Yeah, no, nobody's really moved it on," and that's exactly the point. No, nobody's picked the flag up and run with it yet, and that I completely agree. My point was that. Thrash fucking packed up in the late 80s, early 90s because basically um, it stopped being created. It created, it stopped expanding um, creatively. It become uh, very dull and very predictable. And 
we can't go down that route again. So when with new thrash, new new wave thrash bands coming through, I want the new wave of thrash bands coming through to take things on because if we don't, if we just keep churning the same stuff, same thing's going to happen. The genre will burn out again. As unlikely as that might seem now, fuck me, it didn't seem like that when we were in the heyday, did we? But it's possible. And what prevents that is, but is bands taking things forward, picking it up and running with it. Just having pictures on the back of your album in skinny jeans, white high tops and brand new ironed creator t-shirts and looking like you've been fucking transported out of the 80s. That's not taking anything forward. That's not going to keep us around. That's not going to move things forward. And moving forward is what you consistently have to do. Because everybody else's, every other genre is, you have to keep moving forward. If you stay, if you stay in one place, you stand still, you go backwards, and the same thing happens that happened last time. I'm in danger of making some really solid, serious points here. Um, yeah, fuck that. Let's get on with an interview. Okay, so um, got a chance to catch up with me, old mate Andy Sneep, and talk Judas Priest. And living the metal dream. Here's me and Andy having a chat a few weeks ago. Oh, oh, hey! Hey, there we go. All right, mate. All right, how you doing? I'm all right. How are you? Yeah, 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 fine. Yeah, yeah. Good. Well, look. First up, thank you very much uh, for agreeing to still speak to um, one of the citizens now that you're uh, heavy metal royalty. Yeah, just uh, remember that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's very good of you to mix with us. Um, yeah. Actually, do you know what? I'm going to put I'm going to see, put my phone that way up, see if that works better. Uh, you, you, you're like, it's like recording the Friday Rock Show, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking, yeah, anything but... You know, you can actually, in Skype, you can actually record it in Skype. Yeah, but it sounds terrible. Does it? Yeah. Void legal. Legal smash by telling people that you're being recorded, okay? I've got to tell you that. Oh, is that, that's a cat that you're telling, is it? Yeah, and now how does that sound now? Is that any better? Uh, it does actually sound a bit better, yeah. All right, we'll see how we get away with it. Okay. Cool. Right, fucking right. hell. We're all sorted. Yeah. I should I should have known better. You and uh, you and audio technology, obviously, uh, you were going to want to get involved <laughs> right from the off. <laughs> fucking hell, mate. Don't, don't, don't be a cunt. Have a day off. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so um, uh, no, I tell you what. Um, just diving straight into it, I remember God knows how long ago it was now. I'm sure you'll tell me when the news first came out that you were going to do the priest gig, and um, and I WhatsApped you, and you WhatsApped me straight back, and we ended up on we ended up just trading messages for about half an hour. Um, yeah. Of just exactly how fucking amazed, freaked out, happy, excited, terrified, <laughs> you were all in yeah, one. T- t- I'd say terrified was the top of the list. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's bittersweet, really. You know, obviously, um, you know, with, with the situation with Glenn, it, it was, you know, you don't want to see someone... It, the, 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 you know, because I'm, you know, I'm, I'm friends with all of them, and obviously I'd worked with Glenn all year on the album. I knew the situation. I knew what kind of what was going down, um, and you know, we all wanted Glenn to have to do it. You know, because obviously it's Glenn. You know, um, but it was nice of him to ask me. Um, but it, it did sort of knock me sideways when it all happened. 
happened and it was it was kind of a you know my head was spinning there for for a good few weeks you know and especially with the amount of stuff I had to learn so quickly um it was you, you know it, it was right in at the deep end really so yeah it was um it, it, it was exciting but absolutely terrifying at the same time that's the best way I can describe it <laughs> yeah yeah I mean yeah I mean I presume there's the initial sort of oh my god all my dreams have just come true and then reality sets in and you go shit I've got a ton of work to do well yeah I mean I went they asked me the second to last day of rehearsal in the UK which was three weeks before the tour started um and I sort of sat there and went yeah okay yeah I'll, yeah, I'll do it um and then the Friday morning the day after I woke up feeling physically sick um and then I, I knuckled down on learning as much as I could you know and it really was a case of you know learn what you can in this short space of time and I think I learned 25 songs in in three weeks not even three weeks actually because I had to go to London to sort my visa and everything out um and then I had three days rehearsal with them in the in the US which was basically three afternoons you know just to run through the set three times and then the first show in front of 6,000 people so it was um yeah, you know, you, you had all your, your internet people going, oh, he's not moving around much, you know, so, no. <laughs> <laughs> come come later on the <laughs> tour. remember what to play. Yeah, come, come later on the tour when I actually know these fucking songs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and pe- pe- people go to you, you know, oh, well, you, you, know, you know, you know the songs. It's like, actually, yeah, I know the songs, but I don't know the songs, you know. You've still got to learn them. Um, so it, it, it was... Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, and it's the thing as well, you know, I mean, obviously I've been playing and I've been playing all this time, um, you know, in the studio and stuff, but that's a different thing being match fit to getting on stage and playing as well and getting strength in your hands and, you know, playing with different musicians, you know, I mean, Scott's a, 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 a different drummer to what I'm used to. He's very much on the backbeat rather than, you know, a thrash drummer that's really pushing it. So just trying yeah. to get the feel right and, lock in with different people is is that there's so many different things to consider that you don't think about you know where to be on stage and um when to drop back and when to go out to the sides you know especially on these bigger stages you want to keep it all looking symmetrical so it wasn't a case of just learning the songs it was a case of taking it all in you know working with different crew you know different gear and, and all kinds of things so it's it's a big learning curve doing something like this well, to a certain extent, well, certainly for, um, you know, certainly for somebody of inverted commas, our level, you know, yeah. you know, I mean, I, you know, we've, we've been doing shit for years and, and, and I can only imagine what it must be like to suddenly be playing that scale. You know, I mean, it's, you know, just, just that first show to 6,000 people, I say just 6,000, uh, I'd kill to yeah. play to fucking 6,000, um, <laughs> I killed a player six hundred. Who's kidding? Who's kidding? Um, and um, uh, just the, I can think in my mind the, you know, the, the 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 upscaling of what you're used to to something of that size is just like, yeah, it's it's a whole new ball game, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I mean, I've you know, I've done I've done plenty of festivals and and sort of bigger shows before, but not, yeah. no, you know, not to this sort of extent i mean it's sort of you know the six thousand gig now i hold hat now but it you know at first <laughs> it's a lot to take in you know um and and you know projecting yourself to the back of the hall and 
you know, you, you end up watching everything back, thinking, right, that doesn't look cool. That that's fine. That you know, right, that bit looks good there. You, you have to sort of analyse what you're doing and be your your own worst critic, really. And you know, and, and that's what I kind of did for the first ten or fifteen shows. I was, you know, I had the GoPros up and I was filming everything, trying to watch what was what it was looking like, um, and just taking it all on board, really, um, and, and just slowly trying to get my you know, my feet under the table and, and, and fit in. And it's, uh, you know, whoever came into, you know, this situation, I don't care if it's some hotshot LA guy that got to get it, you know, to, to do the job. I think any musician coming into a band that's been established for 40 odd years, it's, it's going to take a little while for anyone to settle in. So, um, yeah, I think we got there in the end. But at, at first it was sort of a bit, you know, oh, this is a bit, <laughs> this needs to change and maybe we have to do this here you know so it was it was a learning curve for sure you know well i and and also i mean you know you've only got to look over the other side of the stage for uh what looks cool and what doesn't because basically yeah. you know you're up against a, a a master showman yeah yeah because he I'm is there. sorry yeah. sorry yeah. yeah yeah i mean i remember i, I remember watching um uh, watching you set at Bloodstock, and um, yeah, I was, I was, I was. Um, uh, to be honest, mate, I just had, uh, my, I genuinely, and this is going to sound all soft, so I apologise, but I genuinely, my face hurt after the end of your set because I'd just been smiling all the way through it because I was just so pleased for you. Well, good, thank you. I mean, it, it, you know, it's, uh, you know, it, it is a a dream playing with these guys because it is, you know, it's it's at that level that I never thought I'd. I'd be up there playing at this stage of my life. You know, I mean, I'd, I'd kind of given up on it. So to get the chance to do it um, and play these sort of arenas and festivals and, you know, headline these festivals, you know, w- with priests, it's a, you know, it's a dream come true, isn't it? So, um yeah, I mean, I can't really say anything more than that. No, really. I know, I know. I mean, yeah. it's... Um... Yeah, the thing is, it's funny because I, you know, I, I, I know a lot. You know, we know a lot of the same people, and just um, bumping into people um, who, uh, who, you know, and, and you'd come into the conversation, and we just, and everybody would just be like, "Yeah, it's, it's awesome, isn't it? It's brilliant. It's great. It's like, you know, it felt like it was one of us up there." Um, mm. And um, but, but again, like you say, really daunting. Did it? Did you? Did you see it coming at all? Did you have a, a, a an inkling, a, or was it was it completely out? No, of No, well, it was. I mean, we 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 kind of knew that something might have to happen um, when we're doing the album, but, but you know, no one's going to say anything to Glenn because Glenn's you know the boss really, and you know it, it, it was always down to Glenn to pull the trigger and sort of say. I can't do it. No one was going to say, Glenn, we need to get someone in. It was always because of the, the situation. Um, it was always Glenn's shout, you know. Um, and so I, I, I was just sort of helping out. I, was, I went down to rehearsals. Um, I got some production gear for them. I got a laptop for intros and things like that. I was just helping them out with, you know, some sort of uh, intro stuff and back in, you know, some back in stuff for, um, a, a couple of the songs, some keyboard stuff. Um, and I'd seen Glenn at rehearsals and, um, you know, I, I could tell he was, you know, pondering on what to do. Um, and he said, he said to me, when you're next coming down, I said, well, that's going to be sort of Thursday, Friday at the end of the week. So I got, um, 
uh, an interface for you know the computer and stuff they were using. Um, so I, you know, it, it was sort of. I think it, it maybe I had a word with the guys before I got there, but they, they, they had a sort of a meeting on the Thursday when I got down there, and they just called me in and said, you know, do you think you can do it? And I was like, well, yeah, yeah, I probably can. I'll give it my best shot, you know. And and, and Richie, um, thank God, was, was like, you know, just learn the basics for the moment. I've got, you know, he'd got a lot of the solo stuff covered because of, you know, he, he was kind of working around what Glenn was able to do. Um, so it was kind of, you know, learn the riffs first and then we'll, we'll slowly fit bits in. Um, and that's kind of the, the, the approach we took to it, really. Um, and I was literally waiting curbside at Heathrow for my passport with my visa um, before I flew out to, I think I went to Washington and then Connecticut for rehearsals. I went that route um, because it had been such a, a late stage getting everything sorted out. So it really was up to the wire and, you know, um, you know, can we turn this round in time? So it really, you know, it, it was certainly was a test on everyone's, uh, you know, everyone's side with the organisation and everything. So, so just a, just a bit. So you could have worked your nuts off and everything, and the and just the basic logistics were were proving a pain in the ass. Just getting just getting all the visas and everything through in time. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I, I literally, you know, two hours before my flight, I didn't have a passport. You know, <laughs> Shit. so I was, I, was, I was waiting there for a taxi to deliver my passport with my visa in it. So, um, yeah, it was it, I, and we actually had to cancel, I think, well, postpone two flights. One was because of the weather and one was because the visa wasn't in time. So, um, yeah, I mean, it really was last minute. You know, I was meant to have 10 days rehearsal in the States and we only had three, you know, that sort of thing. So, Shit. yeah, yeah, it was, yeah, it was nerve wracking. Yeah. yeah, I know. Well, I, and um, of course, I bumped into you at Bloodstock, and by the time it, 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 it was weird because by the time I started, I caught up with you in Bloodstock, um, you were you, you'd already played a, a few hundred and twenty thousand uh, stadiums and all that, and it's like you know, oh yeah, Bloodstock, yeah, yeah, it's a nice kind of like nice, nice little size festival that. <laughs> it, I know. It, well, it is, yeah, and and, and actually, the way it's set out as well, it actually doesn't look. You know, when you look off the stage at Bloodstock, it doesn't look like that many people because it's quite a wide arena rather than deep. Yes. You know, when um, you're not looking miles and miles and miles into the horizon. I mean, what we what we had on that run, I, can't, I don't think we had it at Bloodstock, but we had um, a Kabuki drop, which is the, you know, the um, curtain drop at the start of the set. Yeah. And a thing called a, a sniffer, which pulls the, the curtain back across the stage and you know, so you haven't got a row of guys on the front of the stage carrying the curtain off. It, it disappears really quickly. Yeah. Um, and some of these festivals, we we don't get in until, you know, sort of half seven, eight o'clock. Um, and we don't actually see the arena or the hall uh, or, or the festival until we're actually on stage because we, we don't sound check. So we'll literally be stood behind that curtain. And the first time we see the crowd or, or the size of the gig is when the curtain drops. On the on the first chord, so right. I think it was um, I think it was grass pop in in Belgium. Um, the curtain went down. There were sixty thousand people out there. And it was like yeah, it's a big one tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've got a got a bit of room to cover up here tonight. Yeah, all right, I'm going for a walk. I'll see you later. <laughs> awesome. Oh so fucking it, I mean, hell! It, yeah, a lot of the time it's as much of a shock to us as it is to to the crowd as well. So um, yeah, it, it, it's it's fun you know it is fun that must be an incredible moment mate that that yeah i mean 
it, it, you know, it's like you've got, and and you know, you've got to you've got to be able to play guitar and take it in. I know. Yeah, certainly. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm usually the first song, at least. I mean, Scott will tell you, I'm, I'm probably pushing all of it, but the the first song with so much adrenaline that it's, um, you know, it's having to hold everyone back. So um, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it, it is it, it is a buzz. It's a real buzz, actually. Yeah, definitely. Well, hell yeah! I mean, you know, yeah. in one of your in one of your favorite all time bands, playing in front of mm. thousands of people, you know, the boy done good. Mm. It's just just a, just a you know poor lad from Nottingham who's done well for himself. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, it it, 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 like I say, you know, I mean, it, it'd be great if Glenn was up there doing it. You know, that that's the that's the thing that really, you know, it's always in the back of my mind. You know, it really is. Um, but it's just nice that he asked me to do it. You know, so and I'll, I'll you know, as long as they want me to help out, I'll, I'll help them out. So, you know, it's. That, that's kind of the way I'm looking at it, really. So, so how does the um, uh, is, is there any more live dates, or is that is that it for now? Um, there's the there's a rescheduled Aussie dates, which is happening um, sort of February March next year, um, which were meant to be happening February March this year. Um, so we'll wait and see. You know, uh, as far as I know, that's all happening. So um, you know, they've asked me to do it. So. Um, yeah, that's that's the next thing on the the horizon with that, and then I'm, I'm just looking at work. I'm, you know, the, I'm meant to be mixing the Testament album. Um, well, I'm meant to be mixing it now, but you know, there's a, a couple of weeks um, sort of delay on that. So I'm going to be looking at that at the end of the month. Right. Okay. So, well, I, I was I was actually going to I was actually going to start asking you about work. Is it just been straight back in, or have you taken some time to sort of? decompress and uh you know get get the lay of the land again yeah i mean i just did the the kill switch mix before this last run um and we had a um a band for earache uh, those damn crows that colin was doing in the studio as well so the, the you know the studio's been up and running a bit um but it is difficult it's difficult going from you know playing and, and doing something that's taken me out the studio for this amount of time to sort of get my head back into a day job, so to speak. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, but it's, it's enjoyable, but it's just, it's a different approach really. So, um, I think it'll be good because I got to a point where I'd done the priest record. I'd done the accept record and I'd done the Saxon record all, all in the same year. And I was feeling very sort of, um, what's the best way of putting it? Not, not burnt out, but just, uh, just, a, a little Jaded. inspired in a way. Yeah, you know what I mean? Just because just it was all back to back and you're not getting any breathing space or time to stand away from it. Yeah. So this coming up when it did was kind of a, a good opportunity just to recharge the batteries really and, and rather than just take time off, it kept me in the public eye and kept me out there, you know, in the world playing music. So it was ideal really. Um, so it, it's, it's good, you know, if I can fit Sort of a couple of albums in now before we do this Aussie run. Um, it's, it's a great chance just to get back into the studio now. Well, um, hard luck, mate. You just missed out on mixing our album, but you know you can't have everything, yeah. can you? No, no, never mind. Eh? <laughs> next never, time, no, never mind. Yeah, next time. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. shit! Uh, oh shit! I'm going to be on tour. You don't know when it is yet. Yeah. I will be on tour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, was there a point when you were away? Was there ever a point where you were thinking, 
you know, about the day job, as it were, and thinking, I, 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 look, I'm just thinking the human condition because I know what it's like. If, 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 as much as as much fun as you're doing, as as fun as you're having, you know, creative people's brains never stop. So there's always like there's there's got to be a voice somewhere going, yeah, but you know, the, yeah, you know, you're not going to be getting any producing work for a while, and you know, there's no, uh, you know what, uh, it's, it's no, I haven't, Good. I haven't thought that at all, really. Um, I mean, it's. My heart was always as a guitar player. If I'm brutally honest about it, I was always that was the number one dream for me to be a guitar player. And then the production thing kind of followed when that, you know, with the Sabbath thing fell apart, and you know, I had to start again, do something to survive. And I, I kind of fell into the production thing, and I found I enjoyed it. Um, and you know, and I kept on at it, and it, it became successful. So yeah, it, you know, it's, it's not that that feels like a day job i mean it's still a job that i enjoy doing and you know i enjoy being creative in the studio but you know actually going out there and playing guitar it is what i'd always dreamt of doing so to get the yeah. chance to do it on this scale um has been brilliant and i you know I, I wouldn't you know i'd always put that first to be honest so yes um yeah. that you know as, as much you know if this lasts and if I, i've still got the chance to do it I, I will do this before doing production work so no, I mean, the, the, I'll always be able to fall back into production work, even if I have six months off, you know, the work will still pop up here and there and it'll build up again. So I'm not too worried about that. Yeah, yeah. And um, speaking of which, um, I mean, you know, look, I apologise, but I, I've got I've got to mention these, well, two questions. Well, no, one question. Um, and it will be... There's going to be people who are wanting to know, you know, if there, if there's, and, and I know the answer, um, if there's ever going to be any more Sabbath shows, and um, you know what your uh, what your position is on that. Uh, no, basically, um, no. I've, there's been a line sort of drawn in the sand on that, and with the health stuff as well. It, it's just, you know, the um, for different reasons as well with, with both bands. I mean, the Sabbath thing won't happen really because. <laughs> we we don't want to be in the same room as each other, and the the, um, the health thing won't happen because sort of the, the the creative juices weren't to me anyway weren't really it wasn't you know it wasn't flowing right and it, what we were coming up with didn't feel like hell and also the um, you know it, 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 I felt that I was having to push people into a situation that felt forced uh, you know even as far as getting people to rehearsals and getting gigs arranged and stuff. Um, so if people aren't 100% behind it and wanting to do it themselves, um, you know, and that's not a, a criticism of anything, but, it, you know, people have all, you know, when we get to this age, you know, all in our 50s, you know, late 40s, 50s, yeah. um, everyone's got lives, you know, got families, they've got different agendas. And so that that whole thing of like when we were seventeen, eighteen year old, but all out, you know, for the band, blah blah blah, it doesn't exist yeah. because it, everyone's got to you know put food on the table. So with something like how it, it became increasingly more difficult because people have different priorities, um, and the, the spark had gone down a little bit. If I'm honest, you know, it wasn't the fire wasn't there. We'd run out of the the earlier material, so it was a case of writing new material, and it didn't to me it didn't feel like it had the charm of what the the first two albums had. So uh, I, trying to get that and 
not have the fire there between everyone, I felt it was better just to sort of say, look, let's let's calm it down. You know, let's. I think it's time to, uh, you know, put this to rest, really. So that actually all got put to rest before I, I was even doing the priest thing. So if anyone's thinking it's the priest thing that's got in the way, it hasn't at all. It, it was the, uh, it was all, you know, probably five, six months earlier, you know, we'd sort of said to each other, you know, we're, we're going to stop this now. So, um, yeah. Is there any, is there any particular reason why that that information kind of isn't out there in the public? There was never a kind of like a big announcement or anything, or, or did you just I, I not feel the need? I didn't want to make a fuss of it, really. I, I mean, I, to be honest, I, I felt it had sort of fizzled out anyway. Um, I didn't want any drama over it. It's one of those things where no one's fallen out or no one has really, you know... It was kind of one of those things where, why don't we just let it lie and see how it feels and just... You know, leave it. There's no need to make a big hoo-ha and sort of go, right, that's it, it's over. Um, to me, it was kind of like, well, you know, it is what it is, and let's just leave it there, and then, uh, you know, pick it up ten years later if you want to. You know, it's, it's that sort of thing. So, yeah. I, you know, I didn't feel like there was any need to be dramatic about it or, or make any big statements about it, really. Yeah, it's just, it's done, and that's it, and you moved on. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think it was quite obvious by the amount of gigs we were doing, and which were basically like, I think, two in the last year. You know, um, it, it was obvious that th- there wasn't a lot happening on on that front. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, um, it, it's it, it, it was fun while it lasted. You know, and uh, and that's like, ever, you know, nothing lasts forever, and you uh, move on, and then end up joining Priest. <laughs> Yeah, well, the thing the thing is as well. I mean, the, my whole point of doing the health thing um, was to get Dave's music out there, um, and, and we did it. You know, we had the songs that he'd written. Um, we took it a little bit further with the, obviously with the stage show. We wrote a few new songs to make the second album complete. Um, we, really, that that was my whole idea behind doing it was to put his songs out there and, and give it a chance. And right. um, he did that. You know, so yeah. for me, it felt quite complete anyway. Um, you know, I think Kev was, was wishing it was going to go further and what have you. But without everyone being uh, sort of fighting the same, you know, for the same team, really, you know, it, it felt yeah. like, you know, it, it really was a case of herding cats at times, trying to get people to rehearsals and trying to get people focused and, you know, trying to organise gigs. So when it's like that and it's forced, um, you know, I'm not going to be the one that's putting all the effort in trying to get things recorded or trying to get people to rehearsals. You know, I've done that for for thirty odd years. I'm, I'm uh, you know, it gets to a yeah. point where it's kind of like, if I'm having to force this, it's not going to work. You know, everyone's got to want to do this off their own back. So, well, you've um, all, you've all got to pull in the same direction because as it exactly, is, exactly, that's I, what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. and yeah. A, as it is, everything is. You know, you, you're fighting against the odds all the time, and if you're not all fighting in the same direction, you you fuck before you've even started. Exactly, yeah. And you're always going as fast as the slowest um, or, or the least uh, dedicated person, you know, because that's always going to hold you back. So, um, you know, and like I say, everyone's got different priorities and everyone's got different lives at this stage as well. So that's not um, that's not knocking anyone. But, you know, it, it, if you're going to make a band successful, everyone's got to be 100% into it. And if it's not, then it's never going to happen. So, it, you know, I'm, I'm not going to 
put more of my time in, especially after when I looked what I'd done on the first and second album. You know, I'd really financed the whole thing and put all the time in in the studio, you know, recording and mixing, all obviously free of charge to the band because I was part of it. Yeah. Um, and I, I wasn't going to go through all that again and write the songs. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Have someone go, I, I can't do a gig at that weekend because I can't get, you know, I can't get a babysitter or whatever, you know. So it was like, you know what? Um, I think it's time to stop. You know. Yeah. So uh, right, okay. Yeah. Well, that's, that sounds that sounds like the full story, the completely unexcavated yeah. version. Awesome. Um, yeah. So have uh, have you got anything? Um, have you got any anything in the pipeline um, uh, production wise, other than testament, like you know stuff that you're kind of like either in for or you know has been rumored that you're that you're, you're interested in that you're looking forward to or or is. There's- yeah, there's a, there's a couple. Um, I mean, I'm chatting to um, Wolf about the next Accept record again. Um, I was actually chatting to Miller about the Creator album as well. I don't know what they're deciding on um, as far as that, but you know, there's a, there's a possibility there on that one. Um, but I don't know, don't know if schedules are going to match up, so we're just waiting to sort of figure that one out. Um, so yeah, we'll see. I mean, there's, you know, there's those couple of possibilities for the rest of the year after the Testament record. Yeah. Yeah, and then and then of course. So how long are you out? Is is it just the UK dates that you've got remaining with Priest then? Um, no, we've got this sort of all Europe with Aussie. Oh, of so course, it is. Sorry, goes, yeah. That goes through until the end of March, and then they've got. Um, um, they're obviously looking at what they're going to do on the on the, um, the you know the fiftieth anniversary thing after that. So yeah, who knows? I, I don't know what's happening there with that. Yeah, but fuck, may it be like your fiftieth week with the band. <laughs> It's more than that, mate. Yeah, yeah, no, I know. So, yeah, how long is it then? How long? Uh, well, it's, it's got to be. Uh, when was it? End of February when the, the, last year. So we've had uh, what, 16, 16, 17 months wow. out on this run. So it's a hundred and I think it was one hundred and forty-five shows so far. Um, and we've done one hundred and forty-three because we cancelled one because Rob was sick and one got wiped out by a tornado. So uh, yeah. It's uh, fair few. Wow, I mean, I, yeah, that is a, a that's a Jesus Christ. <laughs> that's just. I mean, the the, the 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 um, you know, when you think this, we've done three runs through North America uh, on on this album, and the, the still, you know, the attendances were great on, on the third run. Even though we, you know, we did change the setup, we, we did had fifteen different songs in the set by the time we did this since the first run. Um, yeah, we did the the first run in March last year. Then we did the the run with Deep Purple October, November, and then this last run, which has been two months, which we just got back from last weekend. Um, and still, you know, the ticket sales were great on 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 the last run. So uh, the band's really sort of hit the stride again. Really, you know, with a top five Billboard album in, in America with Firepower, and then you know three three tours on this album. It's it's pretty unheard of, really. So. Yeah, I think it's, I think it's probably the most amount of gigs they've done in the US since. No, I don't know if it's since Defenders, um, but it's certainly you know since since the Painkiller sort of era, it's it's the most they've done in the US. So well, it's and yeah, it's, uh, the, um, but the album the album was just I mean you know the reception was euphoric. Mm. I mean I you know yeah well, I, just, I mean we, we, I think we just approached it right really it was. Uh, you know the songs were good, and it was a case of getting a bit of the attitude back in it as well. I think um, 
it had been a bit lazy in the studio, uh, you know, at times with them, you know, on, on the on the last few records, and I, it was a case of just cracking the whip a little bit and uh, sort of saying, right, we'll try, you know, we'll try it a bit more old school again, try and get the band playing live again, get get some, you know, some cool little twists and turns happening, and work, work on the songs as a band rather than uh, sort of just one sort of idea you know and, and make it feel like a band you know in the studio which to me is is lacking in a lot of people's records now i think it, it's you know getting that vibe of the musicians playing together is you know you don't hear it when you, when you listen to those 80s records you can tell it's a band in a studio yeah um i mean i've got the multi-tracks to to screaming and you can hear the bleed on each mic and you know, you can tell it's the band in the studio playing together. On 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 the Killing Machine record, I've got the multi-tracks to that as well, and you can hear spill all over the place. You know, on the vocal mic. You know, some some of the the vocals on uh, I think it was on Bloodstone. Um, the verse vocals went down live with the drums. You know, um, fucking hell. It's you know there, there was a charm to it. That's why it was kept. You know, I think another thing coming. Tom was telling me on that that uh, the the take that you hear on the album, the guitars are the rough guide tracks. Um, that he, he liked the feel of it so much that he just put a, an extra track down the middle and that was it, you know. So, you know, I think that's missing a bit these days. I think everyone's, I keep saying it, I call it laptop metal. Everyone's, someone will come into the studio with it, with everything demoed to a, a, a grid yeah. and, right, this is what we're playing to, you know, and it, 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 it lacks that push and pull and the, the feel of a band playing together. And, you know, it's like when, when we all started back in, in the 80s, it out, you think about the hours and hours and hours of, of rehearsals that we all used to put in, and it, it made made you a better player, and it made you a band because it, even the limitations of, of each player created a certain colour to the sound and a, a certain you know you, you work around it, didn't you? So, well, absolutely, um, yeah. And, and I, I think that's I think that's lacking a little bit now, you know. So. Well, it's funny. I had um, I had a conversation with um, uh, with our drummer Mark, who was born in nineteen eighty eight, and mm. and he's obviously had to learn Ramsey stuff, you know, the old acid rain stuff, um, and um, you know, they, you know, listening to some of the songs off Obnoxious, you know, there's a couple of nine minute songs and seven minute songs on there and stuff like that, and I'm, and you know, and we were talking the other day, and I was saying, you know, you do realise that when you listen to that. It's one take. That is one drum mm. take. Do you know what I mean? If we were recording it now, you'd probably do it, break it down into three or four different parts. And there'd be like three or four different or five or six different takes that you're editing together and, and you know, put into a grid, you know. So it, it really, it's, it's a different world now when you think about it. I mean, when, yeah. when it was all on two-inch tape and... Yeah. Um, I mean, it, all the, all the albums we did as Sabbath, it was all me, Fraser, and Simon putting the the rhythms down together. Um, and obviously on Dreamweaver there was uh, Simon, the other guitarist there as well. But it was all live. Those rhythms, it was all every, you know the guitars, bass, and drums all went down live. And then it was just overdubs and vocals on top. And um, it might not sound as tight as you know or mechanical as you can get it now, but it had a certain feel and the feel of the band there um which i think you know when you start really breaking things down and i've been guilty of it plenty of times you know just getting things too tight um and it's kind of the way that metal went for a little while you know this mechanical sort of you know <laughs> super tight 
slab of metal, wasn't it? You know, everyone yeah. was doing it. And I yeah. think we're all sort of pulling back from that a little bit now, sort of thinking, well, actually, we want to get a bit of attitude in there now. And that's really what we, we tried to do on, on the freeze track, was just get a little bit of that back, really, and just a bit of push and pull. And then, you know, we had the basic frames of the songs there when we went in the studio, and it was a case of jamming them, getting familiar with them and getting really inside the riffs and thinking, right, well, we can take this, we can have a key change here, or we can have a sort of a little bit of a tempo drop on this part, or we can maybe have a, a break in the song here. And that's the sort of things you get when you get people in the room throwing ideas around, you know, and it's something that's missing when you've got one guy writing everything at home and then coming into the studio with it. Yeah, yeah. And and like you say, you know, uh, um, it's also about the um, the imperfections in those old classic records. When you're talking about, like, mic bleed and stuff like that, I mean, you know, listen to some, you know, listen to some great old Maiden stuff and, you know, there's yeah. you know, Bruce, Bruce's flat in places. You know, yeah, and but who the fuck cares? <laughs> yeah, well, it's, it's like you know, there's a couple. I think there's a drum fill at the end of uh, which one is it? I think it's the end of the Sentinel or something like that. That sounds like Dave Allen falls off the drum stool when you solo it. But you know, it's like <laughs> a bit of a pick scrape over that. No one will notice. <laughs> <laughs> it's that kind of thing, and it, um, you know, and it, it does. It, I mean. Once I've done it on live records where you, you've got everything isolated, you're thinking, "What the fuck is going on here?" You know, are they even playing the same song? <laughs> and then you put the faders up, and it, it all of a sudden it's the band. You know, it's got that that sort of blur to it, but it's got a, a charm as well. So yeah. it's very easy when you're tracking stuff and you're really focusing on the individual player to, you know, try and get it super tight, and it's, there's that temptation to cut and paste parts, but really. I think if you, you start doing that, your ears already heard it subliminally. You know you've heard it, and it, that's when it starts getting really boring. So just because something's played slightly different doesn't mean it's wrong, you know. Yes. So um, I think it's important to to remember that and try and keep a bit of a bit of character in there, really. Yeah, and I, I and I think. Um... On that point, by by the way, we've we've gone we've we've gone for exactly that a more kind of organic thing, and I'll I'll ping you a link when we when we're done. You'll have to have a listen if and when you can be bothered. Um, mm-hmm. um, but I think yeah, you, you you also get a feeling with some albums that um, uh, the mix for song you know you, they nailed the mix on song one, and you've got nine more songs that have got the same mix, and that's it. Do you know mm. what I mean? There's like idiosyncrasies of songs, and you know, really producing uh, a, you know a song in a specific way when it's it needs a specific vibe and all the rest of it. And sometimes I feel that you just get, you know, you just get the the standard mix for the entire album. Mm. I think. Well, I think also the way we work now, you do get a more balanced mix across an album because you uh, because obviously you can recall it and you keep coming back to, you know, you, you don't have to mix one song and then move on to the next and then on to the next. You know, it's not like you, you, your mixers used to improve as you went along and you'd always come back to the first song again and end yeah. up mixing, remixing that. Yes. Um, you know, you tend to go through, you do all the drums come back, sort the guitars come back, sort the bass, you know, and you're looking at an album as an overall picture. Um, so I, I think in some ways that's good because you do end up with a more balanced sort of sonic album. Um but I think it's also, it depends on the songwriting really as well, doesn't it? I mean, does, yes. does a song, 
are, are bands writing as varied albums now? I don't think they are. You know, a lot of them play it safe and they've got formulas that they, they work to. And, um, it, 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 you know, you, you look at even, I don't know, um, I mean, Metallica did it well back in the day. They'd always have a, you know, that sort of structure. They had to ride the lightning and master of puppets. It, it was yeah. a very, it went up and down the whole, it was a, it was a sort of a, a journey throughout the album, wasn't it? Yes, um, yeah. Where now, you know, you'll, you'll get an album off a band and it will be quite one-dimensional a lot of the time, you know, double kicks all the way through, you know. And it, 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 it I think, um, yeah, a little bit more variation and, I don't know. A few more risks uh, are always nice to hear, aren't they? I mean, and that was a good thing with the Priest record, where you know, obviously, with um, the talent that's in the band and with Rob's voice, they, they can sort of venture onto different sort of landscapes musically and, and get, you know, get a, some harder and softer stuff in there, some faster stuff. It gives you that chance to do it. Um, so it was a good album to really sort of get your teeth into and and, and get some of that going, really. And um, you've just mentioned something. I, I mean, Rob is a freak of nature, isn't he? It's a character. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's great. It's great. I mean, and, and it's, you know, we've got this, uh, there is other singers out there, but to me, it's, it's almost, a, you know, his, his accent, his Brummy accent adds something to the way he phrases the words. And it, yeah. it's in his timing as well. Is the master of, sort of getting the words to a certain sort of snap. Um, it's not just about his, his pitch, it, it's his delivery and timing. It, it's really, there's no one else like him for that sort of thing. Um, and his ear for that sort of thing is great. So, yeah, I mean, it's brilliant to work with. We, we just kept pushing him and pushing him and uh, he just kept going and going and going. And Tom, especially, you know, when we were stacking harmonies up, um driving him nuts but he uh, he just kept going and going and going so it, it was great no, not a single complaint you know just had his cup of tea to, to warm up and then straight into the vocal booth and off we went brilliant brilliant mm. and and I mean just I mean that was one of the things that that, um, that I took away from your show at, um, uh, at Bloodstock was that Rob's performance I just I just couldn't believe it you know I was just stood there like, I mean, how is that even possible? It's just, it's so strong live as well. I know, and it, it, to me, I, I think he's singing better now than he has done for probably 15 years, you know. Is that, um, is that anything to do with the back operation? fired up about the whole thing or, or what, but he's sort of, um, he's just got back into it again, really. I mean, I, he's, you know, I think he's in good health. I think he had back problems a few there years ago. Yeah. Um, and uh, he's, you know, in good health now and, fired up so and especially digging some of these older songs up it's sort of been exciting hearing them and i think the fans have been into that so uh was that... I mean, that's, that's what happens when you put put three fans in the bands you know we're, we're just in the me richie and scott are in the warm-up room just going through these old songs and rob will hear them and go oh yeah we'll do that tonight and it's like oh, shit <laughs> <laughs> okay <laughs> be, be careful what you wish for yeah, I know. Yeah, so it's been fun, I and mean, it's you know it's it's a good challenge doing that sort of thing. So and it keeps it interesting as well. You know, when you're doing the same set, you know, night in, night out, and um, you know, you're 50 gigs in and you're playing the same songs. It's good for us to just 
vary it up with one or two different tracks. You know, it puts a smile on everyone's face. Yeah, and I think, and and, and believe it or not, you know, that, that kind of stuff as well used to sort of, uh, just get, gather a load of PR as well because all of a sudden well, you see you see it's, it, you yeah, know you see the, oh, uh, priest the, playing so and so for the first time in like fifteen years or something. Yeah, I know. You can guarantee you know you, you'll do something like delivering the goods or you know um, I don't know hot rocking or something, and straight away people are talking about it. You know, it's the way the internet works now. Um, so yeah, I mean it's a good thing to do just to give the a tour a, a bit of a, a nudge, isn't it? You know, just throw a few. Um, a few unexpected numbers in there, and it gets gets the fans talking. So, um, yeah, yeah it's, you know, it's good fun. It's it's funny listening to you talk because when we talk when we talk about um, when we talk about Judas Priest live, you refer to them as they. But when we talk about Judas Priest in the studio, it's we. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it is, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. not in the band. Yeah, no, I get it. So um, yeah, you know it. It is, you know, I'm, I'm helping them out. Um, when I'm in the studio, I'm there's a, it is a team in the studio with me, and you know, so. Hey, come on, come on, yeah. let's let's yeah. let's 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 put it absolutely properly, right? In the studio, that you're the boss. In in the band, you're the T boy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, all right. <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know, I, I, I'm I'm they've asked me to do do a job live, which I'm doing, you know. Uh, obviously, they've asked me to do a job in the studio, but uh, it's a different, it's different, totally different situation. So, um, yeah, I, I, I appreciate where I need to be for each job. You know, yeah, so, yeah, that's no, well, right. Put it, yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And um, it, there must, it, it must have been interesting as well being out on the road and playing some of those new songs that you know you 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 played a role in in shaping in the first place. Yeah. Yeah, it was. I mean, and, it, and they were actually easy for me because it's, you know, the stuff that Rich has written um, is actually a bit more of a, a little bit more of a riffier style, which is closer to what I'm used to playing anyway. So, um, you know, that's sort of a, a little bit the sort of, the, you know, skipping the strings on the riffs and, yeah. um, you know, it's a little bit thrashier in a way. So I'm kind of used to that. Um not you know, not that the pre-scripts are, are particularly difficult, but it, it's kind of it's a lot of it's actually got a, a groove to it that you have to sort of find where to sit with the riff. Um, so, and because I was so familiar with the, the stuff on the new album, um, it, it was that wasn't too difficult at all. So, not that, not, that, not that any of it's been really really difficult. There's just been so much of it to learn um, in a short space of time. Yeah. Yeah, and well, you're talking to the guy, mate. I, I I remember you learning the acid rain set and coming and staying yeah. at my house. Was, was it three days on that? It was. Th- <laughs> it, 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 I think it was three days, and um, it, creative restraint was the song that you really hated. Um, yeah, that was. It was. Don't getting, remember it. Don't yeah. ask me to play it. I'm not. <laughs> yeah, quick, quick, go get your guitar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So yeah, I can. Uh, it, I, do you know what that has just sprung into my mind? Like you know, here here we are talking about you. Oh, I you know I only had three weeks to learn priest sets before I went out and so on. It's like bloody hell, yeah. You've you know it's had three days to learn the acid rain set. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mind you, you we mind you we did you 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 were able that way to play um, your local polytechnic. That must have been a real yeah. thrill. <laughs> Yeah, that, that was great, wasn't it? Yeah. 
Nottingham Polytechnic. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And mm. I, I, well, you know, at least we got you in some funny, funny coloured trousers. That's the main thing. I think yeah, that's what that's, everyone yeah, takes that away was, from that. Was it, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Long time. When was that? What year was that? Um, I think that was nineteen. That was nineteen ninety. Was it? Yep. Yeah. Twenty nine yeah. fucking years, mate. And, and yeah. was it was it your eighteenth where we turned up at your surprise birthday party? Yeah, yeah, my eighteenth. Yeah, wait, wait, yeah, yeah. Yes, that was a messy night, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a very messy night. That make that makes it into my uh, tales from the book of thrash spoken word show that I do. Right. Um, yeah. So, you know, stories about a certain member of Acid Rain throwing a uh, throwing a lawnmower over a hedge, saying that I'll, I'll, I'll give you yeah. lawnmower death. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was. Yeah, it was a messy one. Yeah. 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 That's the, that's the exact word as well. But yeah. Yeah. That's, let's that's try what I'm going to say. <laughs> <laughs> the punchline to that one shall remain uh, a secret for now. Um, yeah. So, um, how long have you been back now? Is it you've been back? A, you just got back at the weekend. Uh, yeah, I've been back a week now. So, oh yeah. right, okay. Yeah. Bored yet? No, no. I mean, it's, it, you know, it, it's just having a bit of time off. I mean, not that it, it's that hectic when we're away, um, but it, just, just sort of getting acclimatised to being at home. Really, is, is kind of nice. So I'm just going to have a couple of weeks off and then pick this testament record up and get on with that. They've got a few guitar solos and some vocals to do still. I think so. That. I think they've been out in Europe and just getting back this week. So, you know, give them a, a week to get everything sorted and then out to me and then we'll we'll be off on that. So that'll be, you know, that, that'll probably take three and a half, four weeks, something like that, I would have thought. So, Are you going to be, um, so have you um, have you got the, the kind of, the guts of it already? No, not yet. Because they, they might be editing some of the songs. So they were, you know, they, they were sort of keeping it close to the track. I've heard, you know, some of the tracking, the tracking sounds great, the, the demos and stuff, so... I think it'll be a good one. Oh, good. Well, as long as they didn't record it the same way they did the last one, then everything will be all right. Um, now, I, I spoke. I, I, no, it's just I. Uh, I remember I spoke to Chuck about how how it went, and um, and and he was like, "Yeah, man, um, you know, it, it's it was like the worst album I've ever recorded. It was a nightmare. Blah blah blah." But it's turned out really good. And I was like, "Well, you know, seeing as how it's turned out really good, would you consider recording like that again?" And he's like, "No." <laughs> and um, and then and then I spoke to and then I met Gene um, when they were touring it, and he was like, "Man, I'm never fucking working like that again." Because <laughs> you got because I got to do the Gene voice; it's the fucking law. Yeah. Um, right. Well, look, mate. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. Um, I'm going to thank you for now, but you need to stay where you are because I've got a load of questions for you from subscribers. Okay. Right. So for now, right. for the main interview, thank you very much, mate. Right, thank you. And there you go. Uh, really good, uh, really good to catch it up with Andy there. Top man. Um, and as you can hear, we had a we had a really good catch up. And I, I hate to plug it again, but yes, there there is at least that amount of interview again um, in the Patreon version of the podcast. Um, so if you want to subscribe, uh, patreon.com forward slash Howard H Smith. Join us. Join us for some fun. Um, so, what else has been going on? Um, Dave Lee Roth announces that apparently Van Halen never got on. Big surprise! Big, big surprise there, Dave. It was you were in a band. Bands don't get on. As a rule, pretty much, folks. Let me disavow you of the of the uh, uh, illusion that uh, that bands are all mates. No, I mean you know 
it, 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 it's not that we hate each other or anything like that. I mean, I don't hate the guys in Acid Rain. They don't hate me. Um, but you do need time away from each other. And, um, and when you're on tour uh, or when you're in a writing process, there's not a lot of that. And that really doesn't fucking help, I've got to be honest. It can be um, very wearing, very demanding. Um, but hey, you know, that's being in a band and I've managed to make uh, what Dave Lee Roth said about Van Halen all about me because that's what I do. And hey, hopefully that's why you love me. So um, now I've got some fucking chainsaw going um, uh, uh, over in uh, another garden. So if you hear, so if you hear some chainsaw in the background... Um, it's not it's not me chopping up dead bodies it is genuinely um external noise that i can do nothing about so my apologies for that um so other than david roth what else have we got uh fucking hell robert trujillo and mr kirk hammett please stop the fucking noodling Stop your silly little fucking tributes in each town the two of you do. It's getting embarrassing. It really is. And uh, and fuck me. Greg Christian, hey? Ex-Testament bass player. He can't stop fucking moaning, can he? Former Testament bassist is still moaning about how he was kicked out. He was kicked out in 2014, folks. And, I mean, shit happens. Now, you... You know, you'll 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 hear um, um, in a in in another well in the in the other interview coming up very very soon. Um, you'll hear myself and Joe talking about um uh, about being in bands and shit like that, and you know what can go down as it were. Um, but yeah, it's fucking what? Sorry, just got a fucking email here. Wow. This is really sorry. It, not normally this wouldn't happen. This is broken through. Bloody hell! Bloody hell! <laughs> UK tour of with three thrash bands. I can't announce it because I I can't say anything because I don't know when it is getting. Um, yeah, I I don't know when it's getting announced. Um, on sale, yeah, go on sale on Friday 2nd, so this, all oh right, if they go on sale on Friday the 2nd, mm, okay, well look, it's basically, check this out, Testament Exodus Death Angel, and it's going to be March next year, and it's uh, Bristol, London, Manchester, and Glasgow, Testament Exodus Death Angel, so... There you go. Wow. Live, happening live on the podcast. So, where were we? Sorry, yeah, Greg Christian getting booted out of Testament. Fucking hell, how weird is that? How weird is that? Um, anyway, I hadn't even noticed, had I, that I was talking about him and then it happened. So, anyway, um, moving on. Um, I've, been, I've been on the search for new music and um, I was getting a good vibe about Fever 333. Um, I was getting a good vibe until the chorus. Yeah, why? I mean, great message, right? Very kind of Rage Against the Machine. They really are clearly big fans of Rage Against the Machine. Um, but a really good message, hard-hitting video, and then the chorus comes in, and it's just, it's, it's just, 
lightweight harmonies. Once upon a time, I would have called them gay harmonies, but you're not allowed to do that anymore. But they're just, they're too sweet. They're too nice. They're just too goddamn fucking nice. And I it just, I find it so fucking irritating. It's like, you know, there's, there's harmonies and there's harmonies. Corey Taylor, wicked at doing, you know, very cool harmonies. But even that went too far, as far as I'm concerned. On, on All Hope Is Gone. And they were just too too commercial. They were, the harmonies were too sweet. And again with Fever 333, who I had a really good vibe for. But it just, it I don't know, it just wasn't... Those choruses just really, really put me off. And I just found myself getting really fucking um, put off by it. Speaking of something that I was not put off by, was the new album by... Oh, God, that sounded better. The new album by... Um, let's not go there, Howard. Those of you who knew that, who know who that was, let's not go there. Um, uh, fucking hell, that's completely thrown me. Where was I? Oh, yes. Um, a band that uh, I've mentioned on here before. Um, he is legend. Um, I, I love this band. I really do. They are, they are fucking awesome. They are, they are not normal by any stretch of the imagination. Um, they, they really are, um, yeah, they're just, they've got their own sound, but it's fucking heavy and they do some really cool shit. The new album is called White Bat. Um, very weird kind of cover. It is just kind of like a white bat. It just looks like a, a nude bat. Um, so anyway, that's fucking weird. Um, so yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's weird. It's very weird. And um, but I really, really, really suggest checking it out. There's some awesome heaviness on it. Um, I I don't for fans of I don't know they've got an original sound. You know, um, just give it a listen and then slag me off when it's nowhere near what you like. The n- other new thing that's come out very recently, uh, new Slipknot single, Solway Firth. Solway Firth. Now, the reason I'm saying it like that is. Because I'm from Yorkshire. And because Solway Firth is a place in Yorkshire. Now, I have no idea why Slipknot would name a new single Solway... Oh, right, OK. I do I do apologise. I do apologise, claiming that everything is in Yorkshire. Uh, it's a Firth that forms part of the border between England and Scotland, between Cumbria and Dumfries and Galloway. Stretches from St. Bee's Head, just south of Whitehaven in Cumbria, to the Mull of Galloway in the west end of Dumfries and Galloway. So my apologies to Galloway, Galloway, all the fucking pronunciations and all the rest of it. But why the fuck would Slipknot name a song Solway Firth? It's just unbelievable. And here is the fine... I mean, not a bad song. Didn't... I need to play it a few more times, but, you know, it's got the makings of something decent. Um, but I have to say, I have to fucking say, Corey Taylor's new mask just makes him look like a fat kid. That's it. He just looks like somebody who's just tried to cram a number of tangerines in their, in, in their, into their cheeks. It looks like somebody, it looks like a fat kid with a full pouch. It's a cross between a fat kid and a hamster with a full pouch. That's not giving me nightmares, Corey. It looks pretty fucking stupid if you ask me. But there you go. You weren't asking me. On you go. Um, Next up, the new Darkness album. Yeah, who cares? 
I mean, guys, you know, you came, you saw, you conquered, then you went away, should have stayed away. Apparently it's called Easter is Cancelled. Quite an amusing video for it, but really, the darkness, anyone, anyone bothered? Any, anyone bothered at all? Anyone bothered? Let me know. Personally, could not give a fuck. But there you go. You knew that already, didn't you? So, next up, it is now time for another, another cracking interview. Um, this time with a guy I've known for many years, it's Joe McGuigan from the wonderful band Gamma Bomb. Um, we have a chat about all sorts here and about how I wasn't able to get to the London gig. And we, and, and you, as you will see, we talk about all sorts. There's no agenda. We cover everything. I really enjoyed doing this. And there's another massive um, interview on the uh, subscribers podcast uh, about Patreon as well. So, um, which you can't listen to, so I don't know why I mentioned it, but there you go. Maybe, maybe it's just to rub, it, rub your nose in it a little bit. Anyway, here is me and Joe chatting a few days ago. Hello there. Hey, dude. How's it going? Oh, that's so much better. Bingo. Bingo, indeed. Uh, it's going very well. How's things with you? Yeah, good, man. I was actually I was over in London a couple of weeks ago to go and see, um, you know, William Friedkin, the guy who directed The Exorcist. And um, I, I know uh, William Friedkin well. Um, uh, the movie Bug is a personal favourite of mine. Yeah, well, funny enough, it was uh, he was presenting one of his movies from the 80s to live and die in L.A. Yeah. And um, they had, you know, uh, the guys who did the soundtrack, Wang Chung, with her and stuff. So they did a big talk about it. It was pretty cool. Ah, right, OK. Because I know you were you were over here another time. We were going to meet up for a beer, but it never happened. Yeah, I can't remember what that was. Was that Metal Church or something like that, maybe, was it? It might have been, actually. It might have been, yeah, because I, I might have reme- I might have had to reveal that um, uh, I wasn't the biggest metal church fan in the world. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you, you weren't impressed. It's one of those things, isn't it? Like they're they're just like one of those kind of bands who kind of just caught, got caught up in the shooting match. Like you couldn't really describe them as a thrash band, could you? They're just kind of like, I guess, like vicious rumors or one of those kind of styles of bands. Yeah, I mean, it was like, uh, they've had a fair few vocalists as well, and I think the, originally when it was like the old, you know, ton of, ton of Bricks is the song I always remember, and I remembered lots of people going on about Metal Church when they just had the one album out, and when it was difficult to get hold of their album, and I remember some one of my friends finally got hold of it, and, and we were just so disappointed, we were because we'd heard other bands talking about them. And yeah, we were just expecting it's like thing as well. Like I think uh, before you know, before David Wayne left, Metallica championed them a lot, and that's how they got their deal with Elektra and stuff. You know, Metallica were saying, "Hey, this is awesome," and back kind of you know, opinions matter, didn't it? You know. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, back when opi- back when opinions mattered, I like that. Yeah, now it's just all opinion. Yeah, totally. Hence- mortal sin. Mortal Sin got signed on Xavier Russell's recommendation, you know? I think one of those major labels just at, rang and said, who should we sign? And they were like, yeah, Onslaught or Mortal Sin or whoever it was, you know? Well, I w- I'll check the validity of that because I'm in contact with Xavier at the moment because um, obviously I'm, I'm talking to him about doing some, a few bits and pieces um, for when our album comes out. Um, so, yeah. He's kind of um, he's he's a good guy. I've had him on the podcast a couple of times. He's got some great stories. Yeah. Great stories. I tell so. Oh, I tell you, it's just it, it's yeah, amazing, fucking amazing. 
Um, so sorry I missed you the other week. Um, unfortunately, you know, gigging myself. Keith, Keith Pratt was needed elsewhere in this world, was he? The the, the Platt signal went up. Um, and, <laughs> what would uh, it be? It would be like a pair of slippers and a pipe? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, Platt, Platt man had to... Um, uh, had had to make an appearance, but um, I I, I, was, I was gutted though because it would have been great. I mean, it was it was a really good. But I, was, I you know I wanted to. It would have been cool to see me uh, see the shrapnel the shrapnel homs again. Yeah, all change for those guys and Divine Chaos. Like since last time we played with both those bands because they both supported us on tour in England not that long ago, and they've changed singers and bass players and drummers like both bands. So it's took two guitar players, Chris and. Uh, Greg and then uh, you know the two guys from Divine Chaos. You know, I, I didn't realize I didn't realize Shrapnel had changed singers at any point. Yeah, they've got like a bass player singer guy these days who's who's pretty cool. I think their their singer guy has got like some like stuff going on in his life basically, and they were just like, right, we gotta march forward, you know. Oh fucking hell! I didn't know. <laughs> wow. Just had to be. They said they'd been with Karen on, uh, or sorry, Sharon on K2 for like two years and they haven't got one gig. Yeah, well, yeah, there's a, there's, there's a story there. And, um, uh, I mean, you know, she's our agent. And um, I just think, I, I think there was just a, a, a real lack of support from the label. Yeah. Which, you know... Um, I had conversations around the time of uh, of when of, of when we were shopping around, and yep. um, and it was kind of like anyone but them. Um, but uh, yeah, we uh, although we, we managed to get turned down by fucking everyone. <laughs> I'll tell you a funny story, Philly. He was talking to um, Philly was talking to the guy from Nuclear Blast. What come? Can't remember the guy's name again. Anyway, I I know. Was, yeah, I know. It, it was it um, uh, Mark Palmer. Yeah, exactly. That's the dude. Look. Yeah, he was just saying. Yeah, I know. I love Harold, <laughs> and look, I love uh, love Acid Rain. But you know, like I think I've turned them down in every decade that they've you know been in existence. Look. Yeah, absolutely. Um, no, but. Uh, but it, it was quite. It was quite funny though, because I, I know for a fact in a, in the space of three days, he got an email from Bobby Blitz and he got an email from Danny Filth, both saying you need to release this album. <laughs> Brilliant. I know. It was like I didn't know Bobby was sending that email at all, and um, I yeah. was actually I was actually with Danny. We did um, we did um, a HRH show in in Birmingham and. Um, uh, and he was like, oh, you know, when's the album coming out? I said, well, we've got to find a label first. And he was like, well, Nuclear Blast, obviously. And I was like, well, yeah, but, you know, Mark's not interested. And he was like, fucking what? Right, we'll see about that. And he just opened his phone up. He just, like, opened an email up there, you know, in front of me. I just ty- ty- typed a sort of, um, uh, how can I describe it, um, amusingly offensive email and, and sent it off. What You know what, though, man? It's a funny one. Like, we got turned down by Nuclear Blast as well, and... You know, at the time we were kind of like, oh man, you know, because they would be like, they've lots of like firepower and stuff. But at the same time, they've got every other thrash band in the world is on them, you know. And it's like, if you're in the same pond as Testament and Death Angel and stuff, they're going to get all the good shit. And, you know, you'll be left in a kind of Laz Rocket style situation where 
you know, yeah, you're on the label. Kind of the same thing happened to Amulet when they were on Century Media. They said that, you know, there were so many other bands that were considered important. So, well, we, we, you know, they just, uh, they, they just uh, kind of they didn't get much of a, a whack at the whack at the wicket, you know. I get, I get that. I mean, well, funnily enough, we got um, um, a, a friend of mine was trying to help uh, help us out, and we got we got patched into a guy at Century Media, and um, and he was like, oh, you know, thanks for getting in, you know, thanks for getting in touch. I didn't get in touch. It was a this third party, and um, he said, oh, thanks for getting in touch. Yeah, he said, I'm I'm an Acid Rain. Fa-. He said, Acid Rain, unfortunately, not big enough for us, but I I am a, I'm I'm a fan since the '80s, and I've watched their I've seen their comeback and like two really great songs and you know re- really like the band shame i can't do anything so i so i emailed him because yeah. i got sent this email and i emailed him directly and said dude really nice to um you know thanks for the thanks for the comments and um he'd heard that we would we'd got suzanne vega on the album doing a doing a cover version of one of her songs and he was like you know he'd, yeah. me- he'd mentioned he'd love to hear it and i said about well, you know I'll, I'll i'll ping you i'll ping you one over and he was like, oh, right, yeah, that's great. And then uh, I said, do you want to, you know, I, I said, would you like three or four more songs? And he was like, yeah, please. And he's like emailing me back going, man, this is fucking awesome. Um, he's like, I'm absolutely loving the new stuff. It's brilliant. He said, I'm just, it's just a shame we can't do anything. And I was like, yeah, you know, it, it, how fucking weird is it? It's like, I, I don't know. It, it kind of does beg the question when someone says, oh, you know, you're not big enough for us to sign. It's like, well, isn't that your job? Yeah, it's kind of more. Is there is there kind of name nope. still got like you know a decent sort of rep at it like in the you know in a much better way than a lot of those European bands like Vendetta or Paradox or you know Assassin and those things. But yeah, I don't know. Like it's it's it is it's a it's a friggin' um it's in the hole. Oh, you guys are with a dissonance, yes, label, right? Yeah. I'm theoretically supposed to be doing playing bass on this Agent Steel album at the minute. Oh, theoretically. <laughs> well, just sort of. <laughs> are you are you about to get, are you about to give away some state secrets? <laughs> no, <laughs> I, no, I can't. Like, I can only really talk about things off the record. Really, I can't really talk about things on the record. Well, well, I'll tell I'll tell you what, right. Um, We'll let, let's we'll we'll have a chat off the record, but also I've, I've got to warn you now. I've got some subscribers' questions for you as well. So once we've done the main the main interview, there's there's quite a few subscribers' questions. Um, and um, yeah, know, no, I can to- I can to- totally talk about things in uh, general terms. Like so, that's not a bother. Look. Cool. Okay, so talk about things. Uh, this is really weird. You know, I've got I've got, I've got you on, uh, and we've talked about. Just about every band in in the scene, uh, apart from Gamma Bomb, and um, uh, and now I'm kind of interested to, to ask you what's going on with Agent Steel then. <laughs> or can't you say so, anything? Um, I I um, no, I, I was just like approached by the guys about a when was it about December time, <clears throat> and basically the situation was that uh, Cyrus uh, had invested in. Uh, touring again as as the band and making a record and stuff and uh, he wants him to give him a hand writing some songs and putting a demo together and so that's what we basically did over the course of X amount of months earlier in the year and then he had like a bunch of shows booked but like it weren't really booked in a kind of cohesive way it was like you know one show and then four days off and then a couple of shows 
and he kind of got a pretty crappy band together around him, you know, of like guys who were like big big fans of the band, but didn't really have any of the chops to kind of play that sort of stuff. So, um, long story short, I got uh, sick and had like a flu for a few weeks, and I couldn't do the tour. And the tour kind of was a a disaster pretty much and got cancelled and there was a bunch of problems basically and uh yeah and after that he kind of found a couple of decent guitar players and we've just been writing songs and demoing them and that, that's kind of where, where it is with the whole agent steel record thing i've kind of known uh juan garcia from the original agent steel for you know several years kind of just as a going going and having beers with kind of dude and he's a lovely guy, and he gave us a kind of blessing. He said, "Listen, I'm very busy with, you know, body count and with, uh, with his other band, Evil Dead." So he just said, "You know, what with Bernie being ill and me not doing it, you know, I wish you guys the best and go and go and make a good record." So we'll see, we'll see what happens. Basically, you know, um, like obviously I'm a big fan myself, you know, and it's it's just a kind of daunting task trying to come up with a follow up to Unstoppable Force, you know. Yes. Yeah. Um, oh, that's really cool, man. That's really cool. So, so, so yeah, I am. I'm, I'm like literally doing it just from a kind of fan point of view of being like, oh man, you know, I could definitely help you guys write songs and, you know, you can play bass for some shows to, if you're going to do shows or whatever. But, um, like, I offered the same thing to the Reanimator guys whenever Mark left the band. It was all like, oh man, don't, you know, don't just drop the band name. I'll come over and I'll play bass and we'll write some songs or something. But, I think they were just like gonna take some time and chill out, or I don't know. I didn't really hear too much back from them about it. Right, so it's just kind of like, well, when you said theoretically you're doing the um, you're doing the uh, uh, based on the album, so it's it's yeah, it's basically they, they've they've actually got to do an album first. Yeah, well, like that's the kind of thing is that there's like a release deadline and the album's being worked on and stuff like that, but. It, like there's a couple of guys uh, with Cyrus in Europe who are working on it, and I'm kind of over here, so like I'll, I can like record bass song uh, tracks and stuff like that, and you know send songs over. But like it's kind of it's all done in a very kind of QT sort of secret operations kind of way. So like I kind of don't really have the whole whole picture myself, to be honest. Right. Okay. Uh, so it, yeah, it just it. Well, yeah, because we're we're on the same label and uh, label, and I've I've heard I've heard nothing so far um, about yeah, Agent well, Steel. You know, obviously, the guys in Amulet are big fans as well, and they were like asking me, saying, "Well, what's going on? What's going on?" And I was like, "I don't really know. Like, I know that you know there's an album in the works, and you know, I have played bass for songs on it. You know, so, so sooner or later, I guess Dissonance will start. You know, like announcing album titles or release dates and stuff, and I'll probably find out." same time as everyone else <laughs> yeah it's it's looking that way isn't it yeah absolutely and you know it, it is the kind of thing as I said doing something like this that's outside of the Gamma Bomb thing I've done a couple of things like this before like worked with SSS doing some touring with them and you know Visceral Attack and stuff um, like I like doing things like that that are a kind of break away from the band and the more sort of like Gamma Bomb are so kind of kind of long in the tooth now we've been on the go for 17 nearly 18 years and um you know with guys having kids and stuff there's more opportunities of like six months off where you can go and do this sort of stuff yeah i mean i that, that's, it's interesting you say that because um 
Uh, well, for a start, I mean, visceral, visceral attack. Um, yeah, uh, I, I love their their. It's quick and severe is the album I've got. Yeah, it was good. They were like a, they were just one of those bands. Me and Domo like took a big interest and reproduced their EP, and I did some touring with them and stuff. And then they're funny enough, they did a tour with us in England a few years ago, and I nearly got them on to uh, like supporting Sav- Savage Messiah on a UK tour or something. I remember talking to Factory about it. And, you know, for some reason, they just said, no, we're, we're going to uni, we can't t- tour anymore, and that was the end of the band, you know. But I think they could have probably, like, you know, done done pretty okay for themselves, you know. I In fact, I, I, I know that they supported you um, because um, I got a, I got a, uh, me and you went, uh, got on stage with them uh, and did backing vocals, Nuclear Assault, Nuclear War. Yes, that's it. Yeah. No, it wasn't, it was Survive, so it was. It oh, was shit, it was, yeah. So, yeah, but uh, yeah, no, they were they were a cool band, uh, and it is cool doing things like that. You know, if you find a band that you love, you know, trying to uh, you know trying to help them out in some way, or you know, get get them a little further down the track. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, to be honest, it uh, I'd I'd love that's the kind of thing that I used to do back in the day, but it's like. It's just been one constant battle since we came back of like, I mean, I'm still getting, there's, there's comments on Instagram today about, you know, from people who didn't know we were back. Um, yeah, it, it is. It's, it's insane the amount of work that goes into being in a part-time band. Like, uh, you know, me and Philly were talking about that on the Gambon tour, you know, talking about, you know, merch designs and, you know, et yeah. cetera. And we're just like, man, it's so, because we, like our contract's up with uh, AFM, and we're talking to some different labels about signing with them and stuff. And there was a big lobby within the band saying, oh, you know, we should really just go indie. You know, let's just make the next album ourselves and, you know, own it. And then we won't be in the kind of situation we're in with Eric, you know, in the Spotify records, which is a whole other fucking kettle of fish look. But, um, yeah, we just said, you know, being in a band and writing songs and doing gigs and rehearsing, it seems like that, that takes up so much time that adding more gunk onto the plate is just like, oh man, really? Like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I totally agree because ultimately, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's funny, you know, things like, uh, oh, you know, crowdfunding, uh, uh, you know, people are always go, oh, why don't you crowdfund it? Why don't you? And it's like, crowdfunding is basically just that. It's just the funding. All of the yep. all of the mechanics and everything else means basically, yeah, okay, great. People have given you money, but now you've basically got to set up a record label. You know, and I, I don't want a fucking garage full of fucking CDs and LPs. Exactly, and that's the whole thing, isn't it? You know, the idea of going and posting CDs and stuff just seems like a pain in the ass. And um, like I said, that like the whole reason why we were saying no, we're going to go with a label is, you know, we we've always well for the last six or seven years we've talked about making like a short gamma bomb movie you know 40 minute kind of film you know like a horrible b movie kind of mad max ripoff of some description right and we're kind of really you know we need what if a budget of like three or four thousand bucks will probably you know feasible to get a label to give us that as well as artwork and pr and all the other things that you can't you know you can't do if you just go totally indie you know yeah yeah, I, exactly. And the thing is, as well, it just it. I, I mean, I'm, I'm, whether it's old school or not, I just still think it helps having a third party that's in there, you know, swinging swinging for the fences with you. You know. Yeah, um, exactly. And if so, it, it helps if someone's going to say, "I'm going to give you guys a thousand bucks for your album cover because it, 
it's important and you know we believe in this project that's that's what you need you know yeah and i mean well funnily enough i mean this will be this will be out by the time i um uh, by the time this the the, the podcast comes out but uh, we're just uh, about to announce that the label um is having a, a an album release party um so cool. we're so we're doing we're doing a a smaller venue than usual um we're doing um the boston music rooms in tufnell park um and we're playing a small room and it's going to be it's just going to be absolutely rammed and it's just going to be full-on fucking cool and hopefully just you know a, a lot of um uh you know a lot of people are going to get a chance to they'll be the first people to kind of uh hear the album because it uh the the album's coming out um Oh, I don't think I can say yet. No, I can't say yet. But the release show will be um, two weeks after the album comes out. So it's you know it's, it's relative. Basically, it's a chance for people to get um, to hear the songs you know live before anyone else. Yeah. So, cool. it, but again, that's not the kind of thing that you that you can. It's it's that easy to arrange if you've got no no label. Totally. And, you know, sometimes it can just be labels don't think that way. You know, I remember talking to AFM, our, like, label at the minute, about that lot saying, you know, we should do a release party. Let's go, let's do a release show in Berlin or Hamburg or something. And they were just kind of like, huh? You know? Yeah. So, yeah. but that's it, dude. You know, you have to, you kind of just have to sort of choose, choose and pick where you're going to, you know, where you're going to have your battles with with stuff like that, you know? But also, you you guys are um, uh, you guys are pretty pretty popular in Europe, aren't you? We've been doing pretty okay these days. You know, we did a weekend in Italy there, um, and yeah, it was it was okay. Like usually, there, there's like at least a hundred people at the shows these days anywhere in Europe. You know, which is pretty good if we're playing in you know the kind of middle of nowhere and stuff. And then um, there was like two hundred or two hundred and fifty at the underworld. So that's kind of that's kind of what our general draw is, and then. You know, festivals and stuff's kind of different story, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, and of course, you're heading you're heading out to uh, Japan with Zentrix, I see. Yeah, isn't that cool? That was actually funny enough. It was we were we'd arranged the gig and the festival and stuff like that, and then we're talking to the guys from Zentrix at um, the show in Manchester, and just happened to mention it, and they were like, "Oh yeah, what are those people like?" And we were like, "Yeah, definitely give them a shout." And uh, they were like, yeah, for sure. And funny enough, they get the guys in the eval said exactly the same, so maybe they'll get announced as well. I don't know. Well, in that case, you need to fucking ping over the <laughs> details to me as well, don't you? <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's, it's just, you know, it's been something that we've been talking about for years, and like in, as insane as it sounds, we had, for about four years, there was a Japanese Gamma Bomb tribute band, so there was. Like these fourteen-year-old kids, and their like videos are up on YouTube, and we're like, "What the fuck is this? This is so bizarre." That is and awesome. we were like ringing these, uh, messaging these promoters in Japan, saying, "We have a tribute band. Can we not come over and play some shows with actual Gamma Bomb?" And they were like, "No, the tribute band's really unpopular, so don't worry about it." <laughs> Well, I, well, I, I dare I say it. Um, we were quite big in Japan back in the day because all all of our albums were released in Japan. Um, uh, first album was on Sony, and the next two no, first was on Pony Canyon, and the, and the next to the Fear and, and Obnoxious were on um, Sony. Um, and I just did a big interview for Burn Magazine, which is I couldn't believe was still going. Um, 
So yeah, fingers crossed. It'd be it'd be great to get out there. I'd love to do it. So yeah, de- definitely send me the details of the guys uh, that you're uh, that you're speaking with. Yeah, no, uh, for sure, for sure, will. And um, you know, I do m- mention we there was some festival we couldn't do recently. It was Resurrection or something like that. And I did mention to the promoters. I said, yeah, Acid Rain are probably free at you know short notice to do it. Look, nice but, um, one, mate. It is a yeah. It's just one of those things, isn't it? You just have to kind of try and uh, try and help each other out in these kind of these sort of scenes. Uh, well, absolutely, and hopefully, you know, get it with a, a new album, a first for God knows, you know, for twenty nine years. Hopefully, that's going to you know. Uh, that'll work for us and get us a little bit of attention as well. But anyway, look, let's get off fucking. I, I, I really wanted to kind of um, just find out. Well, as you said about your your, your deals up, um, still happy with the uh, still happy with the most recent album because I know it's like it, it, it's kind of it's, it's been out there long enough for you to be <laughs> for you, for you to have kind of like got pissed off with it by now. No, I think uh, like I, th- I think it was pretty good. Um, definitely a lot better received than Untouchable Glory. Like we liked Untouchable Glory a lot, and we didn't like the terror tapes because the terror tapes was difficult to make. And you know, the whole you know leaving Eric, Luke leaving the band, and Philly getting you know his operation and his vocal pipes all that was around that period. Yeah, and it kind of turns out that a lot of fans really like the terror tapes, and you know don't like Untouchable Glory so much, and they like the new album so. I know there's like a thing. There's a thing with Gamma Bomb albums where it's kind of like it's like having an argument about you know what your opinion on maybe if these SEDC albums are better. There's kind of like all these albums sound pretty similar once you've been doing it for a while. Like you know. <laughs> well, do you know what the I I really liked Unt- I re- really I really liked I really like Untouchable Glory. I think it's a great album. Well, yeah, like I like it's weird, you know, for, for us as you know, fans, and we, we do it per- primarily as fans of this kind of music. Like, we really like all of our records, and I'm, like, particularly proud of Untouchable Glory and, and the last one. I think that, like, they've got some of our best tunes on them. But it is, it's like, it's such a subjective thing. Like, whenever you get to this phase, I think everyone knows, and you'd probably say the same with Acid Rain, no matter how well the new album is received, people will always sort of look back at your, you know, second and third records as being, like, you know, the ones that people hold close to their hearts, you know? Yes, yeah. I mean, funnily enough... Um, and I did, a fan, um, you would probably say the same, you know, if you're talking about Zeppelin or, who, you know, any band, pretty much, like, you know? Well, I, I watched um, uh, Sepultura at... Um, um, oh, fucking hell. We, we, we played with them at a festival um, last year, and... Um, yeah. f- funnily enough, it was like, you know, watching them, and as soon as they start doing... Like, you know, as soon as they go into, like, Roots or fucking, you know, any any of the old stuff, just, like, everyone just starts going mental. And you just think, yeah. you know, I'm just still there thinking, how kind of, like, you know, that's got to piss you off, really. But then you think, well, yeah. you know what, it's no different, you know, it's no different for us, you know. We, you know, we love playing Plan of the Damned, but, you know, people are never going to go as nuts for that as they do for, like, Motherly Love or Goddess or something like that. But that's because... Yeah. But that's because, and the same with you guys, you know, you've been going a long while now. It, it's, you know, pe- people have have memories attached to those, to those songs and those records. And it reminds them of, yeah. of a certain time of their life and all the rest of it. And so it's it's kind of, it's just, it, it's not even, it's, it's completely out of your control. You could make the best album ever. It's still to them. But there's another way of looking at it as well, dude, is like, 
whenever I meet young people now who talk about all their amazing memories growing up watching, you know, The Phantom Menace and, you know, Attack of the Clones and stuff, <laughs> I'm saying, what the, fuck, what the fuck are you talking about? Like, it's kind of like for every generation, like all the kids these days who go to um, creator shows, like, love the new creator albums. They, you know, they know the albums from, you know, before Violent Revolution, but creator set is like 75% new stuff because that's what they, their audience likes, you know? So I think like it goes to show in 10 years' time, once, you know, the new album's been out, people will be saying, yeah, like Planet Dam, that was my acid rain, you know? Yeah, you, you never know. You never know. And and same for you with like, you know, there'll be, you know, you'll, you'll have people saying, oh, you know, Untouchable Glory was the first album I got of yours. You know, you've never done anything as good as that since. <laughs> and, you're, and you're like, oh, fucking, yeah. well, at least someone liked it then. <laughs> it's a funny situation we're in. And because of this whole situation, the kind of thing with Eric, it's like our two, like, probably most popular albums, Citizen Brain and Tales from the Grave in Space, aren't available on streaming platforms. And they're also not available, you know, to buy new from Eric, you know. Right, so so so, like, so they're kind of being they're kind of being airbrushed out of history then. Well, like it's not just us. They've, like they've done it in the Browning and uh, Carcass and a couple of other bands. So um, the thing is, it, it kind of scares you because you're like, man, that's their property. You know, if they want to do, if they want to throw them in the sea, then that's totally fine. You know, they can they can do that because they own it. But it's tough for us as uh, you know band because we're sitting going, well, you know, we know that our hardcore fans. Like, the bizarre thing is, the link for downloading those albums for free that Eric kind of sponsored is still live. So they're leaving the album for streaming, but you can still download it for free with their permission. So it's just a, it's a kind of bizarre situation. And as I said, we're, you know, you, you try and tailor the set to have a good representation of everything, but you're saying, man, are we now in a situation where people know those songs better? or they don't know them because they're not online, and, you know, it's just a weird one. Yeah, very weird, because that's just, yeah, that, I mean, it, what's the situation? Well, I, I presume, well, as you said, you're just in the same boat as everyone else. It's not It's not specific to, to you guys, it's just the way it is. Well, I think it's, like, a specific to anyone that Eric has an issue with, you know. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, 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 have you had any communication from them? Do you know, you know... Not do... really. We haven't, we haven't heard much. And, like, you know, any, we've had lots and lots of fans messaging them and, you know, sending them tweets and stuff like that, and they're just blocking the people who send them, you know. So it's obviously something they don't want to have a conversation about, you know. So what do you do, man? Like, the whole generation of kids who grew up in the last 20 years loving nuclear assault, you know, most of the time, those albums were not available. You know, they were having to download them or you know buy them secondhand on vinyl and stuff. And I think I had no problem with the band spending ten years with the, some of the albums being in that situation. You know, yeah, it just seemed it's the same old story of you know band, bands getting caught in the crossfire, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, there will be some business decision behind it, or you know, some, some kind of financial situation that's inevitably what what it's all was about you know but um i don't know i guess like at the end of the day it's just kind of slightly anti-art and anti-artist you know deleting something on purpose but as i said you know a third deck of cards so if they want to shove them up their ass <laughs> they can kind of do it you know 
yeah, I, I don't know. It's just, it's just, it's another example of how the uh, of how the music business is just littered with like labels just doing fucking you know weird, stupid yeah. shit. Like one of the most insane examples was: Do you remember that uh, Rising Records thing that they had in England about ten years ago? No, I don't. There was a bunch of bands on them, like Sworn Amongst, and like maybe about fifteen or twenty bands were on this label, Rising Records. And so this guy owned a recording studio, and he just basically said, "Listen, I'll bring out the album, and you know, blah blah, but you have to pay me for making the album in the studio, and it's ten grand." And so that that was the deal that these bands were on. And this guy made about thirty albums for these bands, and then just disappeared off to the Bahamas. Well, isn't that nice? So it's fucking hell. What what is it about the music business? Seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it just does my head in. It really does. Yeah, it's just bizarre. Um, but I'm so. I mean, is that the touring cycle for um, for the album done yet, or have you got more plans? Well, so what have we got coming up? Um... Not a huge, huge bunch. We've got um, Wacken coming up now in a couple of weeks. Yeah, I saw you had that. Have you, have you have you played Wacken before? No, we've never never played it before. So we're like super looking forward to doing that. That'll be cool. And like, there's a bunch of now we're in our mid thirties. There's a bunch of I'm in my mid thirty bands that we'd like to go and see who are playing, like Sisters of Mercy and you know The Damned and UFO and all that kind of stuff. So we'll go and do that, and then. Um, we're doing a couple of shows in England in November, uh, Face Barmageddon in Reading and another show with Divine Chaos, I think, and um, the Japanese shows. And then, yeah, we'll see what the story is uh, after Christmas. Philly, our singer, has had his second baby, so any time someone in the band has a baby, we kind of generally take six months off. So I'd say we'll probably do that after the Japanese shows and, you know, well, he's about. He's likely about... start writing, especially. I think there's a big, there's a big push to try and see is there any way possible to uh, to work on this movie idea for the next album. So I think that could probably take up a bunch of time. Oh, that's cool. I mean, I, Philly is about to find out as the famous as the famous quote goes: "Having one child is like having a dog. Having two children is like opening a zoo." <laughs> um, yeah. So we. He's up to up to his neck and uh, nappies and getting on, but yeah, he's getting on brilliantly. Domo, our guitar player, had a baby there um, last year as well, so it's all uh, it's all maternal instincts in the gamma bomb camp at the moment. Right. Okay. What, a, what about yourself then? What about yourself? Oh God! No, no, my, my only baby is my Dawn of the Dead poster collection, which is <laughs> getting bigger and bigger every every year. <laughs> So you beat. So you're the major horror movie uh, uh, fan in the band. Yeah, I'm the I'm the super nerd. I I was the guy who con- just contacted Graham Humphreys and was like, oh, I love your art. Please make an album cover for us. And, but um, yeah, that's that's where all my disposable income goes into collecting old horror crap. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, well, I. I... I know exactly where you're coming from with that. I was I was fucking absolutely totally shocked and surprised when Mark Wilkinson agreed to do um our cover. Um yeah. I mean, it's a great isn't it a great like just advertisement for if you don't ask you don't get. Like you're always there. Someone like that who you know, you grew up what looking at their images, it's just so cool being like, Man, here's here's my ideas. 
you know, presented in his packaging. This is just the best. Absolutely. And the thing, the thing is, I did. Um... It, the same thing happened with Plan of the Damned, and I, I contacted um, uh, one of my favourite all-time artists, uh, Laurie Lipton, and um, uh, I emailed her management and just said, like, you know, would she be up for letting us, it's a digital single, would she be up for letting us use a, a piece of her art as a cover? And I got an email back from her directly about 10 minutes later saying, yeah, sure, which which pictures do you want to use? I was like, oh shit, I hadn't gone that far. I hadn't actually looked at any pictures. So I just thought I'll get the permission first, you know, see if it's worth even worth bothering first. Um so I went straight to her website and and there it was. The the the, the picture that she used that you know, the picture that we used was was basically the, the picture that is the home page of her website and it straight went straight to it and just went, Well that's fucking perfect. So um and it was all done. It took about half an hour from sending the first email to having it all tied up and done. Cool. That's, yeah. That's, that's what you want, man. Um, and so have you guys got any touring plans or what, what's, what's going on with you guys? Well, we're going um, to do part one um, before... Um, well, we're going to do part one in December, um, which is... I don't know if it'll. I, I don't know if I can say on here yet because I don't know if we'll we'll announce we'll have announced the tour by the time the podcast comes out. But um, uh, we got we got four dates: um, one up north, one in Scotland, one in Belfast, and one in Dublin. Cool. And then part two will be in February twenty twenty. Okay. Well, I um I run a guest house, kind of like be at motel in between Belfast and Dublin. So you just want to come uh, you can stay at my place um whenever you are in Ireland and I'll make you a big barbecue and stuff. Oh fucking hell mate, that'd be amazing. That'd be amazing. I think 'cause I I think we're um I think we're 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 gonna be um we're gonna be the subject of um uh, hostels over in Ireland. So um uh, I'll come to my place and I'll light the fire and we'll sit about and talk shit. Ah, oh, that'd be awesome, man. That'd be fucking brilliant. Oh, I'm really glad I got you on. Saving <laughs> a couple of quid there. <laughs> well, definitely saving the promoter a few quid, that's for sure. Um, um, well, we, we're doing... Yeah, um, so what, do you know what date this is going out, or are you just... Uh... I, know, I, know what dates we're, I know what dates we're playing, so uh, again, off the record, I'll... Um, uh, I'll, get, I'll give you the exact dates. Um, cool. we're, we're, it's, we're back at the Voodoo Lounge again. Um, hopefully it'll be uh, slightly better attended this time because I, I don't know I just remember it being I don't know sort of half half empty really I suppose I suppose I should have called it half I full think the, I think that it's you know weird like bands have cities don't they like you know we get on really well in London and less well in you know some other big cities um, or you know we get on brilliantly in Lisbon and not so great in Madrid or whatever but I think it's kind of the same with you guys. Like Belfast is, you know, Acid Rain Central and Dublin. I don't know if it's. I think it's just a lot. A lot of bands like that. Whenever I saw Xandrix, it was like you know similarly attended. You know. Well, it's funny you should say that because um, we always had a, we always used to have a fucking brilliant time in 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 Ireland and and Belfast and Dublin were always. I mean, one of my favourite ever. Um, Acid Rain shows was the McGonagall's show we did on the Obnoxious tour, and I remember I remember yeah. getting there and meeting the promoter, and the first thing he said was, "I could have sold this out two or three times over." Um, and we were like, 
really? And the whole experience was just like being in a proper huge fucking band. As in, Kev and I went to a joke shop to go and buy some silly string and shit for the gig. And uh, the guy in the shop goes, um, are you are you guys in a band? And we went, uh, yeah, why do you ask? And he just pointed at the window. And we looked out the window and there's about 250 kids outside the shop waiting for us. Wow. <laughs> you guys should have done the same thing that, you know, David Gray and the Waterboys did. You know, both those guys got to a point in their career where they were like, we're, we're really big in Ireland. We're just going to move to Ireland and, you know, become an Irish band, you know. <laughs> Well, I, I'd, I'd be, I'd be up for that. I'd be up for a moving to any country where Acid Rain was able to earn me a living. But I don't think that country exists. Certainly not on Earth. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So, have you, have you thought? Are you going to bring any UK bands then around on tour, or what do you think of the lineup? Uh, we, we haven't done anything on the lineup. Um, we've literally just securing the dates so between now and when we come over uh, and when we and when we do the dates um it's going to be a case of looking you know looking at um support bands and um i don't know you know uh, at the moment i haven't got any ideas at all so um you know i think man, i don't know planner would be you guys in centrics so like you know obviously something like that would be cool or like are, are reanimator still gigging or you know not not so much not so much and the thing is we obviously we you know we've toured with Zentrix before and we've toured with Reanimated before and both us and Zentrix have both got new albums out we but and, yeah. and I think we kind of both want to do a headline tour um right and and I think you know it's kind of makes sense if you ask me um but I do think that it would make sense for us to join up um, certainly, it makes sense for us to join up together and uh, to go through to, on a European run or something like that. Yeah, um, I mean, that would be a that would be a really really good idea, man. Because I think that you know the joint the joint sort of like for whose advantage is like very well known in Europe, and you know the fear is quite well known in Europe. So I think it would be a cool it'd be a cool bill. We should get like you you two and get us an email, and we'll all just go on a bus. And, oh um, man, I mean that is. Well, that well, I've been, I've had, um, I've had all on the uh, on the show a few times, and um, uh, and yeah, we're we're we definitely we're definitely up for doing something with uh, with Evile um, further down the line. We've but we've we've both got a plan, but it's it's off the record. But we've 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 both got a plan, and it's it's you know somewhere down the line, there is uh, you know there 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 is definitely the chance of of, of Asi Ray and Evile doing something together, but. Um, you know, I'm not. I'm not sure at the moment. Um, look, look, going back to labels for a second, um, how have um, how have AFM been then? Because um, you know, it, it, obviously you had your ups and downs with with Earache. What was your experience like with AFM? Yeah, pretty dead on. Like uh, they were quite hands offish in the sense that you know they they would ask you for demos at a certain stage and not really have you know anything like too intrusive to really say about the demos and then give you a budget. And then, you know, we did three albums for them and, you know, one album you'd get, like, a better video budget or one album you'd get a kind of shitter one. You know, one album they would license to Japan heavily or another album they would license to, say, Brazil. And we were always kind of getting lots of offers from that sort of thing because we own our first album and we kind of tend to do little licensing deals all around the place for it. And we always got the same thing from Eric and FM where they were like, you know, if somebody wants a license you know, the album for Argentina or Mexico, it's 
going to cost them 5000 bucks, And you're like, creator costs like $2,000 for a license for, you know, Argentina. So yeah, it was kind of hard to get, get them around to that way of thinking. And again, they're, they're such a traditional metal label. They were like really just sort of concerned with Udo and, you know, bands of that nature, which was their kind of bread and butter. And they kind of couldn't understand... We couldn't understand that we didn't want to buy CDs off them, which was something that, you know, we butted heads immediately about. We went out on tour with artillery, and um, we knew we had to have lots of vinyl, so we just had to buy the vinyl at the cost that it was. But AFM wanted to charge us 10 quid per CD to buy for taking on tour. <clears throat> we were like, oh, no, that's way too expensive, you know. You're giving them to us for five quid, you know, and at least we can sell them for a reasonable amount and make a profit. You know, if we buy them off you for tenner, we're just effectively going out and selling CDs for you, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And I said, well, you know, that's the price, so what are you going to do? And we just said, well, we're just not going to, we're gonna, not going to take CDs and we'll just tell our fans to either stream it or buy the vinyl. And that's kind of, that's kind of what happened. No one ever asks us for CDs anymore. Yeah, that that's a weird one because I, I, CD is definitely something that... Um... Uh, that we get asked for, but again, we've got a slightly older crowd than you. Yeah, that's exactly it. Like, I think you guys definitely have a lot of, you know, dad rock do to like lead the kids off, you know, and then blast acid rain on the way way to work, or you know, the kids get into it that way. Yeah. Whereas I think yeah, our our audience are probably still slightly young for that, you know. Your 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 um yeah. Your fans have have not quite started having kids yet, or if <laughs> or if they have, those kids are too young to be into music yet. Yeah, funny actually, we were talking. We went out on the beer with Evil after the show in um, Manchester there the other week, and we're just catching up and talking to them about you know, you know, a lot of them have got kids and stuff, and just you know, exactly the same as us. You know, the same typical mid mid to late thirties kind of life life stuff going on. You know, and you know, we ended up talking quite a lot about um, Ingram Junior. You know, yeah, yeah, and just like so sad. Like he he had a couple of kids as well, and it's just like we were talking about that. Saying, you know, it's so funny. We're all in the you know very similar situations in life. You know, and like obviously he'd done a lot musically with his life as well. You know, well, I had him. I had him on the podcast when he um, when he left Hell Bastard. Um, yeah, and and I and I um the the last music project he did, I did a I did a guest appearance on um uh on, on one of the songs, and um and we were like you know pinging it backwards and forwards, and he was really happy with it and all the rest of it, and then and yeah, about uh, for the benefit of listeners, we're talking about a guy called Dave Ingram Jr. who um, who for those of you who remember was on the podcast when he left Hell Bastard after Scruff decided to start breathing fire at rebellion at the uh, at, 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 um, um, Blackpool rebellion and nearly burned the place down without any permission um, and unfortunately um, yeah he was always suffering with depression and he, he took his own life um, how long ago was it now? Um, it must be about six or eight months yeah yeah I, I mean I know he gets he gets um, he gets more than one thanks I think on um uh, on our album, it's just it's just really weird, really weird. Yeah, but you know, it, it's one of those things, isn't it? Like you definitely have a duty as you know, um, as a band member and stuff to you know highlight that sort of stuff and talk about you know, t- 
talk to the people who follow your band, you know, the, the, this kind of thing. You can, you can talk to somebody and think that they're really enjoying their life and, you know, maybe maybe it's the complete opposite. And there's no cure-all, you know, cure-all answer of how, how you can get people to open up to you about that sort of thing, you know. No, and funnily enough, um, I, I'm I'm working on a mental health special at the moment that I've got um, uh, a few interviews already done, and one of them is with um, uh, uh, Metal Ni, which is um, which is a, 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 a basically it's a, um, a metal charity based in Northern Ireland for that exact for people who are into metal. And yeah. um, and you know either have mental health issues themselves or you know are um, you know are are a bit you know, well basically they're there to support people and I know it's run by a woman called Gillian who um, who lost her son eighteen months ago um, and funnily enough um, the first single from the new album well I, I won't say what it's about because I, I don't want to sort of preempt anything but. Um, I ran the I ran the artwork that we were going to go with originally past her. Uh, I better leave that off then. So pretty mad, isn't it? The way, like you know, sometimes like I'm just sort of going slightly off topic here, but it's funny like things like that happen that people don't really really understand. As in making an album, like you know, it can be like making a movie. Somebody can go and break their leg. Sometimes, like, and it's happened to you guys, and it happened to us as well. You can make an album and then get the artwork that you've spent a bunch of money on and go, oh, right, shit, this doesn't work. Or, you know, have several of those where you're like, oh, my God, this packaging doesn't work. Or, you know, for one reason or another, something will just come out like that. You're like, man, this is, here's another another expense going in here. What the hell? Yeah. Yeah, very much so. Well, um, yeah, I mean, with... With uh, we're using Mark, it was just a case of like, right, we just left him to it. Just said, look, there's the title, and I sent him one set of lyrics to um, to uh, uh, one of the songs, um, which is called hashtag New Age Narcissist, uh, and and he just he just kind of I left it with him, and then boom, it, it arrived. And I was like, right, okay, so that's it then, and it's that's a really weird kind of um, way for me to work normally it's always been like you know a concept or something like that but yeah um, usually you, you feel like you want to micromanage something like that you know uh, well I've always been I've always been all over it I mean the the you know Moshkinstein was my idea got my best mate to, to to bring it to life the fear was my idea used Evesy again um, Obnoxious was Ramsey's idea the worst of was the label's idea I think, I think that's well, the weird the weird thing is that the label turned down the artwork that we gave them for the album, and then when we told them about that, that's the label created the cover. We just told them the concept, and they were happy to work on it. And, that, and, that and sounds like typical typical music for nations. You know, since the last time me and you spoke, that um. Ian's book about trash scene that's come out, you know, and it was so typical. Like most of all the bands, you know, like really great bands like DAM and yourselves, you know, with great albums in the early nineties, just totally thrown under the bus by under one flag, like you know. And it was just like I think the things like the reason why they were like let's go for that cover for Obnoxious because they were like this sounds like free PR for us. This sounds like free, you know attention that's that's the best sort you know 
Well, what, what, whatever it was in 2009, uh, Terrorizer, um, it was it was voted the worst metal album cover ever. So I'll fucking take that. I'll take a number one in any chart. I think I, I think that goes like totally just tells you what everything's wrong with metal. Full stop. There's so much like awful, totally generic. Either you know, just like. Horrible photoshopped black metal album covers, or you know, bands playing in warehouse music videos, and oh. so much totally generic stuff like that. That, like a cover like Obnoxious, should be celebrated as being something that's a really cool idea, you know, instead of it being like, oh my God, this is so crap. And you know why it's crap? Because it's pink, and that's not heavy metal. Like the amount of homophobia is just general in the metal scene. And all you have to do is read blabbermouth comments, like you know. Yeah, I mean, it's it's. But then again, you know, like you said, I mean, all of the all of the generic stuff that's going. On, if I see another video in a, in a um, in a fucking quarry, I am I'm just putting my foot through the telly. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like. And it's, it's you know what I think the problem is is because you're like, well, I remember like Wasp doing it, and then you know Sepultura doing it, and Zendrix doing it, and you know, Le, you know, Las Rocket, and you know. They all did it, and it was kind of okay-ish. And I don't know. It's just it is. It's just so you're better doing something cheaply and shitly than doing something that's insanely generic and just boring like that, you know? Yeah, and I just think, well, you know, I think um, we, we've we've started getting some abuse because of the album title and because of the cover. I've I've had um, we've had uh, we've attracted a load of um, uh, a, a load of uh, trolls um, who seem to think that because of the title and because of the cover that we are having a there's a bunch of old men moaning about millennials which it fucking yeah. really isn't um i mean the concept of selfies and people being entitled has been around for some fucking time now and um it's 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 more basically that we're living in the age of entitlement where people think that if they don't like something that it, if it, you know then you know their opinion is is law yeah. and whatever it is they don't like should be stopped and should be you know removed and scrubbed from history um and i see it a lot in the comedy industry as well you know people going to promoters afterwards and saying you know oh i was offended i found that offensive and it's like well you know yeah. well done great now there's the door see I, you later it's a very difficult situation isn't it like what we were talking about you know even in terms of reviews or you know as you said people it, it's there's a difference between being entitled to having an opinion and, you know, wanting to force your opinion onto other people. Like, you know, like in Northern Ireland, you know, the DUP, who are the ruling party, like block abortions and block uh, same-sex marriage, even though they're a minority. And it's the same in, like, America. Donald Trump was only voted for by, you know, just what, like less than 50% of the voters and half the country didn't vote. So you can say that three-quarters of Americans you know, didn't vote for him. It's just a fucking stupid, stupid old situation, man, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. And, and the, the whole point about entitlement as well is like, a, 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 an example I'd use is, it's it's basically, it's something that's sort of wormed its way into society more and more, but definitely over the last 10 years. I mean, um, you know, you know yourself, the minute you post tour dates, all you get is basically people like, oh, why aren't you play? You know, why aren't you playing near me? Or why? And and it's like, Jesus fucking Christ, what happened? What happened to? Well, oh wow, you know, they're playing down the road. Let's, old, you know, being old guys, but there is definitely a thing where 
my my generation and your generation grew up in a kind of way where it was like, well, of course I'm going to get the bus for three hours to go and see Exodus because, you know, they're not playing in Harrogate or Newry, you know, yeah. so it's not as if you're going to just sit and be all like, oh man, I was so wish I had seen Sepultura last week, but they weren't playing in Hastings, so what what am I going to do, you know? But by the, by the same token, it, you know, we've got an older fan base and th- this is the point I'm making, in, you can be any age and be guilty of entitled behaviour. Because look at our fan base. They're, st- they're still commenting on there going, oh, fucking hell, oh, you're not playing anywhere near me. And like, we get people from Liverpool complaining that we're not playing Liverpool when we're, and we're playing fucking Manchester. I mean, it's, it's you know, it's 30 minutes on a train. Yeah. Um, I'll give you an idea of actually how fucked up the situation is that if you guys are only doing like two or three shows in England, Scotland and Wales and then doing two shows in Ireland, you know, like you should be able to do Liverpool and Manchester, you know. Oh, look, back in the day, definitely would have done that. Definitely. And I love Liverpool. The times we've played there have been fucking awesome. But we've got, you know, we've got a really good relationship with the Rebellion Club in Manchester. We've had some great nights there. And, and and there's just no there's no point in fucking that up. Just like the way there's no point. I mean, it's like last time we played audio in Glasgow, we sold it out. Why next time we go to Scotland, would we play Edinburgh? I mean, it's just like, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But then, funny enough, like, you know, back in my nuclear assault nerdism and stuff like that, I was looking up um, a video of them playing, I think you guys were on the tour in Newport in Wales and playing to, like, several thousand people. And, like, Newport is probably somewhere that very few bands nowadays would consider, you know, putting, putting on, the, on, the, on the list, you know? Yeah, that was well. Actually, that wasn't um, that wasn't with us. New, but Newport Centre was a, was was a place that everyone played back in the day. We played Cardiff St David's Hall with um, with Nuclear Assault, which was fucking amazing. Um, I mean, because it's like it's, how, come, how come you guys didn't get a John Connolly to do a, a guest or on this one? Um, well, funnily enough, I can't get him on the podcast. Never mind, get him to guest on the bloody album. Um, but he doesn't um, really like doing interviews full stop, really, does he? Uh, no, not really, which is weird, because I was just like, dude, let's just have a chat, man, because it's like, I saw him at Bloodstock, and we just, I, I just sat down next to him uh, on a bench, and he sort of turned round, and he looked at me, and I looked at him, and he went, so, are we really going to do this? <laughs> I was like, yeah, we are. <laughs> he was like, dude, how are you? We just like, had a big hug, and it was so weird. It was so weird. Yeah. I hadn't seen no, him for... He's a lovely dude. I think he's just he's kind of slightly more like in that like, James Hetfield type where he would prefer to just have a, a conversation with you than, you know, and if it means having to hang about at a bar and talk to like 50 or 60 people, he, he, he'd do that rather yeah. than have to go and, you know, do interviews and stuff, you know, unless he's kind of coerced into doing it. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, what was weird was a few years ago we played Eindhoven Metal Meeting, uh, twenty fifteen actually, and we did the um, uh, we did the show and we were backstage. Yeah, we, we played the Friday. You guys did the Saturday. Yes, yeah. Well, we were we were backstage packing up, and I just heard this Howard from a cr- from like across the room. I looked over it. It was Dan Lilka. And um, I mean, again, I hadn't seen him for like fucking twenty five years. Um, yeah, he's an intensely nice guy. Oh, he was awesome. I said to him, "Oh, did you know? Did you did you catch our set?" And he was like, "No, I didn't." <laughs> I was like, "Oh, don't worry, man. It's just great to see you." Lovely dude. And you know what, man? Like, I'm such a huge fan of the original lineup and stuff, but I'm so happy to see them out there playing with Nick Barker because 
you know, they're really raising on fire again. Glenn, the like original drummer, was always a few years older yeah. than, than the rest of the dude. So, you know, I think he found it particularly hard in 2015, whereas now with, you know, with current drums, they're just playing all the game over stuff at like lightning speed and it's kick ass. I'd, I'd really love to see them just like go full on and tour like hell, like, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, uh, I, well, funnily enough, when we toured with uh, one of the tours we did of, uh, uh, of Europe with them in 89, um, both both Glenn left Nuclear Assault and I left Acid Rain. And we and, and so Glenn and I, for a couple of shows, had our own dressing room. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, it's just crazy shit, isn't it? You know, these things fucking happen. Um, but, uh, yeah. But, yeah, it, like a- there were there were such a huge like force in terms of like back in the eighties or even early nineties in England until like kind of the sepulture and obituary kind of thing arrived in ninety one. Nuclear assault were like probably a lot better thought of than a lot of other like bands like this now who are in a way bigger league. Especially things like Death Angel, like nuclear assault would have been way bigger than those guys, you know. Yeah, and with Death Angel being back now and having and been you know working so you know working so hard, just consistently bringing well, yeah, albums they, they, out. They fucking they earned earned it earned it like hell, man, didn't they? Oh, absolutely, and I and you know what, I'm I'm really pleased for them because I think yeah, like I, to be honest with you, I did like Act Three, but I never really liked their '80s records too much, and I think that they've done a couple of ones since they've got back together where they really knocked it out of the park. You know, like specifically, you know the. Um, the uh, artist Dan and then um, and the second to last one were great. Oh, second to last one. Um, the, oh, something calls for blood. Yeah, the dream calls for blood. Yeah, it was great. I love that album. I absolutely love that album. What do you think of the new one? I haven't actually listened to it yet, man. I'm such a fucking I'm such an oldie these days. I haven't listened to it. I haven't heard the last testament or. Like I listen to the new Creator or Megadeth or some or Anthrax, but there's some bands where I'm just like not. I, I don't have the time that I used to for get investing a new album. The way like if you listen to a, something like the new Bob Dylan album, you're gonna have to listen to it ten times so you can really appreciate it. I, I find myself with less time to want to do that kind of shit these days. With thrash. Um, I, I know what you mean, man. I know what you mean. Um, I mean, I'm well. I, I'll tell you what I will do, though. I'll I'll um, I'll ping you our um, the single because um, that doesn't come out till the second of August. So um, yeah. uh, I'll uh, I'll ping you a link to that. And um, uh, but you've but you've got to make time to sit down and listen to it. All right, it's a whole four minutes and ten seconds. <laughs> yes. No. I will. I'll definitely definitely will. Like it's not to say I don't listen to modern metal music like I really loved the last Sacral Rage album I thought it was like really 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 great like you know um, but I think there, there is there's cool stuff happening yeah there is I um the weird thing is now that there's well there's so much available and there's so much music coming out and there's so many different places to find out about music that I, I think it's a full-time job just trying to to find out which bands that you like are are either a about to release something or or have released something um it's 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 actually it's easy you know we've never been able to communicate better than now but trying to actually find out about you know what's going on with certain bands um you know you might well you just take your eye off the ball and all of a sudden oh bloody hell yeah they've got a new album out really have they yeah and it is it's it's actually 
kind of thing where you're like, oh man, and I can't believe I missed like big country last week, or you know, it's, you know, you have to, you do have to kind of in some way keep your nose to the ground with bands that you you, you do follow. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, look, uh, Joe, I'm, um, I've got a bunch of questions from subscribers to ask you, so don't go anywhere. But for now, that is the main interview over. Um, thank you very much, mate. You're welcome, buddy. Take it easy. Was there anything we didn't cover there? Um, a, a multitude, a multitude of topics. Um, and uh, it's just really good to catch up with um, with Joe. He always ends up interviewing me as much as I end, I end up interviewing him. Um, which also carries on on the Patreon podcast, as previously mentioned. Um, so we, we're winding down here. Um, I, I mean, I got to say, um, keeping the uh, keeping everything um, ad free. Um, hence, go, you know, um, starting the Patreon and everything else, uh, mainly because I don't want to get advertisers on. Listen to Jamie Jaster today, selling cock pills, selling stay hard pills. Um, and I just kind of think, really, is that is that what you want to be doing? Is it really though? Uh, I mean, yeah, just no thanks. That is not something I I want to get into at all. I mean, can you imagine me selling? For, actually, I can. I can as well. I'd have a real. I'd have a good laugh with it. I really would like you know when you get to, when you get to my age maybe you know your boner doesn't last as long. Well now get these pills, eh? Get these pills and fucking have it. You'll have a rager. You'll have a stalk on for the rest of the fucking day, eh? Take them, go out, do some gardening, eh? You'll be fucking smashing holes into your lawn with your knob. You'll be doing all sorts. Oh yes. These pills are amazing. Little blue pills, take them. Get yourself out there. Take two or three. Go fucking mental, eh? Have it. Just get out there and and fuck stuff. Wood, trees, <laughs> fucking hedges, fish. Get into the local canal, eh? See if you... <laughs> yeah, it's probably, it's probably just as well I don't do anything like this, isn't it, really? Because I really would just get fucking carried away. Which is exactly what I'm doing now. Um, um, so anyway, yeah, the last thing I want to mention was Chris Adler's almost expected slash uh, perfunctory. Was it a dismissal or leaving? Um, yeah, leaving um, Lamb of God. It just seemed to be a bit sort of like, well, here it is, the whole statement. We're very proud of everything this band has accomplished over the last two decades. We would like to thank Chris Adler for his contributions over the years and wish him the best in his future endeavours. That's it. I mean, as a as a as a press release, that is just a big fat pfft, really. Pfft. Pfft. Yeah. Cheers, Chris. Be seeing you. Later, mate. Off you go. Cheers. And then, and then it's straight into going on about you know how they're looking forward to moving forward with their new drummer, and uh, and the, you know the guy who's been uh, working with him. So it's just like fucking hell. That's it then. So I I, I would love to know if anything more is going to come out of that. Um, but let's wait and see. Let's wait and fucking see. Now I don't normally do this, but I am. Um, Let's have a look. Dearie me. Right. 
Let's. Sorry, I'll put this on pause. Magic of the pause button. Otherwise, you're going to be here all day. <laughs> First news story is Testament, Exodus, and Death Angel to join forces for Bay Area Strikes Back European tour. Great. Ghost performs at Heavy Montreal. Go fuck yourselves. Uh, Dave Murray says Bruce Dickinson sings Blaze Bailey era songs. Absolutely amazing. Yep. That I, it comes as no surprise. Good on him. Stained announces announces a, a concert. I was really hoping they'd pack up. Never mind. Um, Alex Skolnick says USA has weakest gun laws in the developed world. Well, that's just a fact. Um, yeah, it looks like oh, Anthrax inducted into Hall of Heavy Metal History at Heavy, Mont- uh, Heavy Montreal. That's not really a thing, though, is it? Um, and the other thing I noticed this morning was that um, Devil Driver had. Um, Cancelled their, their European tour. So it looks like we're completely under, up to date on the news front. Um, so, guys, that's pretty much it. Interviews done, news commented on. Um, I have to say uh, a little bit about the Acid Rain album. Um, the title is The Age of Entitlement. The cover, you may or may not have seen, it's a kind of freaky kind of clown who's taking a selfie of himself. Now, some people have taken this that. You know, it's, uh, and basically we ended up uh, with a bunch of trolls from a, a, a Facebook page um, who basically assumed that um, we were having a pop at millennials. Um, how entitled of them? Because, of course, um, the the ability to um, or, or rather the uh, to 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 become entitled or rather to act entitled and be guilty of entitled behavior. You can be any age, for instance. Our fan base, very much late 30s, early 40s, into the 50s. Um, Entitled behaviour is when people moan about the fact you're not playing their city. And it's like, well, it's not about you, you fucking idiot. Get on, you know, fans follow bands. How many times do I have to say it? But that's an example of entitled behaviour. And also, it's not a bunch of kids doing it, is it? You know, it's it's people who should know better because entitlement is, in my in my humble opinion, has become a thing within society. It's not it's not aimed at um, a particular age group. Now, because the guy is taking, you know, because the clown in the picture is taking a selfie. Well, who doesn't selfies again are are not the sole um, ownership of younger people. So the point is. Um, it is about the age of entitlement. We have the age of enlightenment. Wonderful. Well, now I kind of feel like within the age of entitlement where everybody is basically moaning about what they want, what's best for them. Um, but or, but more so, not, um, not that they, I would like this, that I demand it, that I should be having that. For instance, a real, especially in comedy a lot as well, people with their opinions, you know, you're entitled to your opinion, but people think that their opinion is therefore somehow fact or law and things should change because of it. And that they're, they're, they're entitled to action being taken because they are offended. So it is generally... Now, there is a song also on the album called New Age Narcissist. There, there, there's a hashtag of it that appears in the background of the artwork. Um, and when you hear the lyrics to that song, it's basically about it's bas- it's about pricks on social media. It's not about a generation. It's about fucking dickheads. You'll read it and you'll be able to like, yeah, that's a fucking dickhead. These these are people I do not associate with. So that's the whole thing that was going on around that. I just felt like I needed to get that off my chest. Um, but yeah, so we we had a load of people turn up from a um, another Facebook page and like calling us the insult was boomers. Now that's kind of that's meant to mean that we're part of the baby boomer generation. It's supposed to be an insult. It's not because 
um, I'm not. Um, I'm. Uh, uh, we're not that old that we're part of the baby boom generation. Um, but I just treated them with kindness when they popped by because trolls is not something that we've uh, has been a thing with acid rain. So it's you know trolls are welcome here, as I said to them, and that seemed to uh, get rid of them. <laughs> anyway, look, folks, end of the podcast. Everybody's podcast goes yada yada yada. I couldn't do it without you. Oh, you're so wonderful. Oh, you're great. Um, you know, and and thanks for supporting the podcast. Yeah, and, and do you know what? That's what they all do. I'm kind of not going to do that. I'm. I. You know, I appreciate you. If you've listened this far in, you're obviously enjoying it. You know the score. Spread the word. You are my my best weapon out there for spreading the word about talking bollocks, for getting it in more places. Um, and basically, the more you do, the more I do, the more we can all do together. Wouldn't that be wonderful? So thank you. Thank you from the very bottom of my bollocks for uh, for listening. Uh, wherever you're listening, whether it's on the way to work, whether it's at gym, whether it's out walking the dog, whether it's uh, on the way to town for a gig, whether you're just chilling out, whatever you're doing, wherever you are. Um, thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Never a chore. Speak next month. Bye.